1: to wrestling omakase it is episode number 146 uh before i say anything else and you know we're not gonna go deep on this because i know people use wrestling podcasts as an escape and all that but i i have to say this right off the bat black lives matter please donate if you can to bail funds uh the brook i know the brooklyn bail fund here in new york is actively seeking donations. I think it's the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund. So I should have looked that link up before I started. But uh, <laughs> definitely donate if you can. Please support people out there. Uh, it's BrooklynBailFund.org. Brooklyn Community Bail Fund. That's one that's uh, you know definitely in need of donations. Uh, I just wanted to say that right off this right off the start here. Please donate. Please help people out. Black Lives Matter. Um, and that's all we're gonna say about it and then this week our guest my guest here is chris hi chris welcome to the podcast
0: thank you very much for having me john it's you know it's been a long time coming
1: (laughs) and i apologize for a very awkward intro but i don't really there's no good way to transition from uh what this week has been Mm -hmm. to professional wrestling but we're gonna try we're gonna try
0: that's totally valid and actually may i add uh while we're still sort of talking about that, I would recommend donating to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, um, Reclaim the Block, uh, the Black Visions Collective. Those are all, like, there are a lot of, like, kind of shysters out there and frauds, but, like, those are all good ones where I think those can be like pretty heavily recommended. But.
1: I thought one of them had enough already, right? One of them was telling people stop donating. Yeah,
0: one of them did. And I can't remember. Which I think, unfortunately,
1: I, I think it's like the Minneapolis Bail Fund. But yeah, so, it might be. Yeah. So yeah. we're not we're not going to focus on that. We're not going to, you know, first of all, nobody needs to hear from me on that. But I just I would feel I would feel like a a fake if I didn't say that right off the bat. So that's all there is to it. Black Lives Matter, ACAB. Uh, let's talk about professional wrestling. Uh, you're, of course, the co-host of the Bad Wrestling Podcast. You're making your debut here on the Wrestling Omikase. Uh, I'm very happy to have you, Chris, after, like you said, a long time coming. Uh, how you doing? Uh,
0: uh, well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's still the quarantine, so, you know, I'm surviving, you know what I mean, which is all you can really ask for at this point, yeah. but uh, wrestling slowing down has definitely... it it doesn't affect like the bad wrestling podcast that much because we're kind of timeless we jump everywhere but like it has changed the way i consume wrestling pretty thoroughly like i mean there's just nothing now and i'm good or bad it's
1: it's just nothing (laughs) i don't know there's definitely some bad stuff did you see that the opening of smackdown this week I have heard about the opening of SmackDown
0: and I, uh, I'm i glad that someone's keeping that Court Bower spirit alive while the, <laughs> going on. We're like, You know, the uh, the Penta and Phoenix getting arrested by Ice Angle from a couple years ago, like someone was like well, let's top that a little bit
1: uh, Yeah, there's like, it, it's it's only like six minutes, so I highly recommend it It's like, uh, I retweeted it last night so if you go on my Twitter feed, you'll see it It's like, but the SmackDown on Fox people i put the entire angle up and it's something i mean it's like it's six minutes of like sub porn level acting with the the two worst fake cops you've ever seen uh, arresting jeff hardy because jeff hardy apparently got drunk and ran over elias that's that's how smackdown opened smackdown opened outside the performance center with elias on the fucking ground and getting medical attention, they thought this week of all weeks, it's like, you know what would be great? A fucking DUI angle with cops leading Jeff Hardy off in handcuffs. It's like, one of those things where it's like on multiple levels. It's like, offensive because you're making light of Jeff Hardy's real life issues. Offensive because you decided this was the week to do an arrest angle of all fucking weeks. Uh, Offensive because it's just very bad and like, the police and, uh, you know, everybody involved can't act. I mean, just what exactly the positive of this was supposed to be, I don't know, other than the fact that uh, people are talking about it, I guess. I don't, know. I don't really know. It's really something.
0: This also has one of my favorite Vince McMahon back against the wall sort of uh, uh, bugbears, I guess, which is um, someone is lying about doing something. In this case, the the DUI was masterminded by Seamus, from what I can tell. <laughs> and, uh, yes, <laughs> and Jeff Jar- Jeff Hardy was not actually drunk, which is right in line with the classic like. I think he's done multiple angles where, like, a woman wrestler uh, miscarries and then it turns out they're lying about being pregnant. <laughs> so, like, this
1: is just, like, Wait a second. Uh, can, we, can we back up? So, it's a fake DUI angle? I didn't even, I sincerely did not know this part of it. Yes. so, yeah,
0: so uh, the implication seems to be that Jeff Hardy was assaulted and thrown into the bushes and Sheamus actually ran down Elias to make it look like Jeff Hardy fell off the wagon And ran over
1: Elias, which is significantly more insane. But wait a second, then how... Okay, so I guess he also dumped liquor on him? Because, like, during that segment, one of the cops goes, and this is one of the funniest lines of the entire thing, he goes, he smells like the bottle in the car! And it's like, first of all, you can't just say he smells like alcohol. He smells like the bottle in the car! And I'm like, what? What? So I guess Seamus also dumped booze on him? I don't He's know. very thorough, you know. What the... This is the, one of the weirdest and craziest angles they've ran in a very long time. Uh, I, I, I don't... I'm just trying to find the words for it here. I mean, it's really something. I don't... There
0: are long stretches where I think people are lulled into a false sense of security about them just being boring and bad, and then they'll occasionally drop something like this where it's like, oh yeah, he still has the fastball, you know? He's like in his 70s at this <laughs> point, but... He'll throw he's, a fake DUI angle at you. He'll keep you on your
1: toes. He's still out of his mind. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just it was something. So yes, there is still bad wrestling happening during this uh, fucking pandemic. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of good wrestling happening. So, yeah. um, I, it looks like. So basically, what I what it sounds like, and um, as far as like when Japanese wrestling will be back. Um, one thing to watch is Cork and Hall, which has obviously been closed, and they just this morning basically put out a statement that said, you know, they're regardless of the government timelines, which have been accelerating in Tokyo like a little bit. Like they they're doing phase two, like a week earlier, I think, because they've had so few cases, which is both, uh, I guess, promising and also scary. I don't. I mean, it's kind of both. Yeah, think, but that's but, kind but... of my
0: feeling on any reopening at this point. <laughs> like, there's a little bit of trepidation, but like. No cases is good, right?
1: Yeah, or very, very few. Yeah. Um but yeah, but like they're saying, so Cork and Hall is saying June fifteenth is when they'll be open for no fan shows. And then July tenth is the earliest they'll be open for fans. Which kind of is a little bit more delayed than the the actual Tokyo timeline looks right now. I think July first. They're saying you'll be able to have like events with up to fifty percent capacity up to a thousand people so they're gonna wait a little longer maybe which maybe isn't uh unwise honestly but yeah i i kind of goes where 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 i've like what my priors on this are where i think you'll probably see shows with fans maybe some promotions try to do it in very tiny venues in june but i think like your new japan's and your your bigger companies aren't going to try it until july that's what i think but yeah. Obviously, if this all goes downhill very fast, uh, they won't be trying it in July either. But um, you know, we're definitely going to be preparing here to lot to get back to covering you know current wrestling once uh, you know once these shows start running with fans again. I just find, like I've said a million times on the show, I find the empty arena shows very uninteresting and boring to watch, let alone to cover. So we haven't been doing that. But that's a transition into the big thing I have to plug this week, which is the beginning of the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, which I've talked about a few times. Uh, it's very exciting. It's launching on Monday, June 1st, so I don't know exactly when this episode will drop. Sometimes it drops the same day and sometimes it drops the following day. It just kind of depends on whenever Rich and Joe feel like uploading it. But this episode should be either Saturday or Sunday, and... That means it'll either be like a day or two before the official launch. So the Patreon, uh, which I definitely want, you know, I want as many of you to sign up as possible. Please come along with me on this journey. It's going to be so much fun. Um, it's patreon.com slash And the stuff you're going to get on there. First of all, you're going to get two full episodes of omakase per month that are absolutely exclusive to the Patreon account. Um, what this will mean in June is I have two really awesome guests lined up for five matches episodes that, you know, you're only going to be able to get on the Patreon account. Uh, that's Alan Farrell, of course, of the PW Torch and Rich Krej of the Voice of the Wrestling Flagship. Those episodes will be exclusive to the Patreon. So the only way you'll be able to hear them is by going to patreon.com slash wrestling and signing up. Um, in the future as we transition we'll we'll be transitioning back to covering uh current wrestling here on the free podcast which to be clear the free podcast is going to continue every week on the voice wrestling network there's not going to be any change with that but you know we'll be doing less five matches episodes and we'll be doing more current wrestling so i've heard a lot of positive feedback of the five matches episodes if people really like that eventually pretty much the only place to find it will be on the patreon We'll be focusing on the five matches episodes on the Patreon. Um, we might do, like, some other stuff on the Patreon, like other historical episodes and drafts, maybe. But the Patreon will be the main place to get your five matches episodes slash your historical content. Whereas the real, you know, the the free feed on Voice of Wrestling, the one you're listening to right now, will eventually focus more on current wrestling as there's more current wrestling to cover. Um, so that's the main thing. You'll get at least two and I'm, I'm trying to set, like, minimums I know I can hit every single month. But, you know, many months you'll get more than that. But at least two episodes, full, complete episodes of they'll be numbered just like this one. So um, I believe the Alan episode will be number 148 and the Rich episode will be 150. So you'll see on the main feed, like, you'll, there'll be an episode missing, and that's because it's on the Patreon. So that's the main benefit. But it's not the only benefit because you're also going to get a new series I'm starting called One Match, which is basically the idea of that is, um, you know, instead of having these five-match episodes, it'll just be me on the one-match episodes, and they'll be, like, these smaller, like, bite-sized episodes that you can listen to very quickly. Um, Each one will probably be about 15 to 20 minutes is what I'm thinking. Um, You know, maybe they'll be longer when I actually sit down and do them. Maybe they'll be shorter. But the one-match episodes will basically—my focus is going to be following along a series of matches— so I can tell you right now, the very first one we're going to do, and the first episode will be up on Monday when the Patreon launches, we're going to do all the Okada Tanahashi matches in order, which, you know, I, I kind of wanted to sit down and watch them all again and just see if the ranking, uh, you know, watching them now matches the ranking in my head. So I figured I might as well make a series out of it and, you know, kind of follow along as we go. Uh, so that will start, you know, right away on Monday. We're, I'm guaranteeing at least one per week, uh, you know, four per month. But I already know, especially in June, you're going to get more than more than that, you know, more than that minimum. Um, you know, I already have one in the can. I'm going to do another one this week, and you know, those are going to be, I think, and they're going to end up being a lot more than four a month most months. But four seems like a, you know, a, a safe minimum to set. Um, and the final thing that's going to be on there, actually not even the final thing, the final regular thing that's going to be on there is Anime omakase, which is something I almost launched on the free feed. Uh, it's actually a long story as to why I didn't launch on the free feed, which I get into on the first episode that we already recorded. But basically, at least one per month, uh, I think very many months, probably more than one per month. We're gonna do. If you like the anime talk, that's at the start of a lot of episodes, which a lot of people have said they do. We're gonna do a podcast that's entirely on anime, um, whether it's on a TV show or a movie or like a topic like your favorite shows of 2020 or whatever. Uh, anime omakase, all anime, all the time, and we already recorded the first one. It's a little shorter than Wrestling Omakase. It was about 45 minutes, but uh, you know, I I had a guest on. Uh, me and my girlfriend Nicole talked about the movie Nazca, the Valley of the Wind which is the considered the first Studio Ghibli movie so that's already recorded in the can and ready to go on Monday so you know we're gonna we're gonna be bringing you you know probably more than one a month but at least one a month so you're getting every month at least two episodes of Omakase, full wrestling Omakase episodes at least four one match episodes at least one anime Omakase, probably more than that and then on top of that, you're also going to get daily tournament coverage during tournaments, uh, very similar to what Joe does on the Voice of Wrestling flagship Patreon, where during the G1 Climax, the Champion Carnival, or the DO, those are the three I'm identifying right away that I'm definitely going to do. Probably some more other, some other ones too, but those are like the three I'm, I for sure plan to do this year. Um, you know, you'll get daily coverage of the tournament. So tournament show happens, I'm going to watch it right away and then record audio on it. It might just be me. It might be me and a guest. We'll see. Uh, I know in the past, uh, people were interested in doing the DO with me. So, um, you know, we almost launched an Omakase Patreon just to cover the DO. So, you know, that that's definitely one of the things I want to do with that Patreon when it launches. So, you got to get that. The bonus daily tournament coverage during uh, Japanese wrestling tournaments. So, that's pretty much it. That's the Wrestling Omakase Patreon. I hope you'll come along with me. I promise the plugs won't be this long every week, but um I definitely want to just pitch everything that we're going to be doing. It's going to be a ton of content, only $5 a month. So everything I listed, there's no multiple tiers, there's no fucking bullshit. You give me 5 bucks a month, you get everything I just said. You get two full episodes of wrestling omakase, you get all four episodes of one match or more. You get uh you know at least one anime omakase. So it's patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Uh, you know, I'm very excited about the fact that I'll be able to pay my guests that come on the Patreon, which, you know, unfortunately I'm not able to do right now with the lack of, uh, you know, I, I, nobody gets paid for that. I don't get paid for this, so, you know, I can't pay anybody if I don't get paid. It's the a the labor of love. It's <laughs> labor of love, exactly. But the Patreon, you know, I can tell you right now, anytime a guest is on the Patreon, we'll be able to pay them. You know, the more subscribers we get, the more we'll be able to pay them. So I'm very excited about that. So patreon.com slash slash wrestling omakase. It will launch on Monday, June 1st. Please sign up. Please come along with me on this journey. We're going to have so much fun. That's my big pitch. All right. Are you guys thinking of doing a bad wrestling podcast, Patreon? I I imagine you must have thought of it.
0: Uh, I, I've never seriously thought about it. I'm I'm just doing it for the love right now. You know what I mean? It's like, it, eventually, you know, if, if that comes, it comes. But, like, right now, there's there's no plans. Um, it's Also, I think it's because both me and Kevin just don't want to do the extra work. <laughs> which is, like, that's, like, the real secret thing. Like I, could, yeah. I could dress it up as some kind of, like, oh, you know, we're not doing it for the money. But, like, the reality is, like, I don't want to record a fucking second episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I went on and off on this forever, and it's like, it always comes down to, like, I always feel like uh, I could do more audio than what I'm doing just one episode a week, but it's like, you know, this, this already takes a lot of time to prepare and watch the stuff and then record every week, and it's like, you know adding more stuff for free just kind of feels like, eh, like maybe I Yeah,
0: at a certain point, it's like taking over your life yeah. for no, you, you need something to balance that out. Yeah. So, yeah, so,
1: and then plus, like I said, being able to pay the guests will be really cool, so I hope, I hope, mm-hmm. I hope people come along, I hope people check it out. I know that the first Anime Omikase that we recorded was a lot of fun, uh, Nicole and I had a lot of fun doing it, and I think the one match series with Okada and Tanahashi will be a lot of fun, and, you know, I know Alan and Retro will be great guests on the, you know, the first Patreon-exclusive Omakase episodes. Oh, the other thing, by the way, about the five-match episodes is the if you want to, if you sign up, the voting will only be open to you for those episodes. So, because Patreon lets you do a poll, uh, you'll get to pick uh. the fifth-match poll. So, <laughs> for instance, uh, nobody will be able to, quote, tweet, and run away with anything by encouraging <laughs> people to vote. It'll only be paid subscribers that get to do that. But yeah, so if you're, if you pay to sign up, you'll get to, you know, not only we get to listen to the Alan episode and the Rich episode, I mean, you'll get to have your say on what match we cover, so...
0: It'll be it'll be a lot more difficult for like, Eugene to slip into these, uh, these episodes.
1: I don't know, maybe the page subscribers will love Eugene, you don't know.
0: They're just <laughs> huge fans of the work of Nick Dinsmore.
1: Yeah. So. so, uh, but yeah, so that'll be, I mean, that'll only be on the Patreon episodes to be clear. So, like, the, the episodes that are not on Patreon, like, you know, the next free episode i'm doing next week with brandon thurston i mean you're still going to get to vote on the twitter feed so the the free episodes you'll as long as long as you have five match episodes on the free feed you can vote on the twitter like normal the patreon episode you have to be signed up and then you can vote on patreon see hopefully that makes sense anyway so yeah. <laughs> this plug went on forever so uh, i'm just i, I promise <laughs> they will not go that long every week but uh definitely check it out patreon.com slash so that's resting resting on makase launching on monday it's uh if you don't know how to spell the podcast you're listening to for some reason it's o-m-a-k-a-s-e uh so chris now that we've now that i've wasted so much time with this plug what else uh, what if what have you been up to during your quarantine have you been uh you know doing okay
0: uh well I mean you know okay it's relative. I I've been watching a lot of movies. I've like honestly I haven't been watching as much old wrestling as I usually do. I've been doing that. I've been playing video games a lot. Like I'm I've basically just like regressed, you know? Like I we we've all regressed a little bit, but like I'm like definitely like living like I was when I was like 15 or something. or oh, yeah. I'm just like like you know, playing these I I, I don't want to rehash something that Oaken brought up on his episode, but like I've uh I've been playing a lot of Yakuza, like that's something I've been doing, so you oh, know, like yeah.
1: that's... Which <laughs> one are you on?
0: Um, I actually just started 6, oh, so man. um, yeah, 5 was, uh, uh, it's an intensive experience, I think it might have been too long actually, <laughs> at, because that's like 5 characters, 5 cities, so it's just like, you gotta, there's a large chunk of time you gotta set aside for that, and it went a lot of cool places, but I'm I'm about ready to go to 6 and like wrap this up for... You know, for now, I guess there's a new one coming
1: out. There's a I I I played through all of Zero. I was playing Kiwami, and then I kind of I've like left it for like a week. I guess I got a little burnt out. I'll probably pick it back up, but I I got really into the new Tew, so I was doing the the fucking speaking of speaking of regressing. This is basically me (laughs) as like an 18 year old just fucking fancy booking bullshit.
0: I am curious as to how that is because I've been playing uh, EWR four point two again, which is at this point a sixteen year old game. Yeah. So, the new one, I'm kind of intrigued by. Like, how, how is it?
1: I it's. I mean, it's it's very deep, obviously. If you're used to EWR, yeah. um, I I don't find it that different from TW sixteen. The the new mm-hmm. features are more like little tweaks to me than anything. But the the new feature I appreciate the most is they finally have like in game support for your tournaments so like you can make a tournament or even a g1 style league and it'll keep track in the game i mean it's that's very really cool. yeah it's very superficial but like it just having uh like putting in the names and then having a fucking like tournament or like league table with like you know where it keeps track of the wins and losses automatically is very cool so that's definitely i, a, a, I mean favorite. having to
0: have that stuff separately in like a notes you know like in a notepad <laughs> file or something or they had little notes happening in VR, but like mm. that was always a little more pain than it was worth. Like even setting up as simple as like just a single elimination tournament, it was always a little more trouble than it should have been. Especially like when you're doing something like a G one, that's just it's a nightmare. Oh, I mean, you so, I
1: I, I still have to bring out the Excel sheet and book it like that, but like at least to keep track of it as you go. But yeah, that's what that's why I haven't played that in a couple of days because it's like I'm up to another fucking league and I'm just like. I don't feel like booking this all out in itself. It's so fucking complicated. It starts to feel like one of those things where it's like, wow, this is a lot of work for a fake thing that only I will ever see Or do. It's like, what are you doing with your life, John? But...
0: I, I think that's why I'm a little scared to do a uh, TEW because like EWR, like just getting back into it. I had downloaded a stat pack based on O4 WWE because I was talking to Kevin and I was like, I want to see what it was like if Eugene was the champ. So I downloaded the game and I downloaded a stat update, and then like within like a month of booking it, I got bored and like changed the risk level to 100 and started running like full deathmatch shows and got thrown off on my networks. And like at this point, like WWE is like it, it's a like i I think Zandig is like the top pushed guy right now um john cena left because he was mad at his booking like it's a nightmare promotion and i'm like if this was too detailed i could really get into this and kind of waste what's left of my quarantine until they throw me back into work (laughs) but like i i'm like i'm almost afraid because there's so much more detail in like the the last like several games that uh was putting out
1: yeah um I mean uh, in a lot of ways there's like probably too much detail but you can <laughs> anyway. you can also you can also adjust some of it though so it's not like you have to dig into <laughs> some of it if you don't want to but yeah it's it's a lot of fun uh it takes a long time to set up I guess and maybe it's just me because like these data sets are so bad that I have and I'm like such a nerd uh, that, yeah. that I feel the need to go in and edit everybody it's like ah yes uh I don't know. I'm just gonna give a random example. I don't even know if it's true or not. Hiroki Goto, very bad. The puro stat that makes that makes a lot of sense. Famously bad at Japanese wrestling, Hiroki Goto. <laughs> so I like there's like shit like that where you was just like I don't even know what you're watching to have these stats that I have to like adjust. But uh... and
0: you you always run the risk with people who make these data sets. Like you're at the mercy of their taste a little bit, and it's always. Some of these people, you know, no disrespect, have really shitty taste, and like it yeah. doesn't make any sense. So you end up having to fuck around with things yourself, and that takes hours. And then eventually, it's just like, it, I don't know
1: if Godot's that bad. So there's there's so many of these. Data the stats. TW ones oh, out, sorry. but like here's the,
0: like that was completely believable to me.
1: There's so many of these. No, stat, no, no. Go ahead. There's so many of these stats where like, uh, I I don't know how to say this. I'm like, are are you? Do you go to like white power marches when you're not doing Tew? Like, I don't, like there's so many stat sets <laughs> where like the white people are so overpowered, like over, uh, powered. I guess is the only way to put it. And the stats compared to everybody else, I'm just like, what is going on? Like, what are we doing here? But sure. Well,
0: Flip uh, Gordon's one of the best in the world. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, okay. Okay. okay, all
1: right. Uh, but I guess let's get into our five matches now. Uh, the very first one that you picked, so you're gonna have to explain to me why you picked this match, I guess, is Carlos Colon and Invader Number One versus the Sheep Herders of Butch Miller and Luke Williams from WWC in Puerto Rico, twelve twenty one eighty five. I believe this is only the second match of the series that took place before I was born, so I haven't done a lot of pre eighty six wrestling here. But uh, I guess why'd you pick this one and what you what made you want to pick it for this show or for me or for whatever <laughs> all
0: right so i i'm someone who does a lot of um i'm a big random stip matches on youtube person which is i uh, it's a burden i guess and puerto rico is one of those it it's really well documented on youtube for some reason i'm like an expert on puerto rico like there's a lot of other people who have come through this show who I would probably defer to on that. But like this match in particular, they had one match before, and I think they have another after. But this one is an ambulance match. And um it is an ambulance match in probably the loosest sense of the word.
1: I, I was think... gonna say I for- I completely forgot it was an ambulance match until the very fucking <laughs> end of the match. <laughs> Like, I totally, I, I was like, oh, is this a tornado tag or something? They're just beating each other up all over the place. And then the ambulance shows up. I'm like, oh, yeah, this was a quote-unquote ambulance.
0: <laughs> John, I have seen this match probably seven or eight times. And I can tell you, I still have trouble following this and figuring out what's going on in the middle stretch of this and what they're building towards. This is, uh, this is one of the most purely chaotic matches that I've ever seen. I think that's probably what eventually led me to bring it, because I was like, I've never really seen anything quite like this match. Um, it is uh, what some would call a victim match, where uh, much of it is uh, Luke, but, oh, who would become Bushwhacker Luke, getting slaughtered in the middle of the ring by Invader 1 and Carlos Colón. Actually, yes, that's a great uh, point. Also- I totally
1: forgot totally to mention the The Sheepwriters are the Bushwhackers. People don't know that, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah, the bushwhackers. Yes, this is their their past. Los pastores, they uh, you know, very violent brawlers in Puerto Rico. Um, I think there was recently an episode on this very podcast network talking about the, the UWF tag titles. And I believe oh, they that might... was on the
1: the Voice Wrestling Patreon, I think actually. Yeah.
0: That's right, yeah. yeah. And I think the the I don't know if it's this incarnation of the sheep herders, but an incarnation cuts through while these guys are in Puerto Rico doing shit like this. And um, this match, it, it, it's—I don't know—it's on my mind a lot for some reason. It's—I'm uh I, I'm trying to even like consider how I would break this down because it's a very difficult match to break down. I mean, like, it opens—it it,
1: it, it opens with them just hitting each other inside and outside the ring. uh <laughs> One of the shepherds choked somebody with a rope. And this is where I, I was like, I don't know if this is a tornado tag or what, because they're both just paired off. And then my my exact note says, I really don't know what I'm even watching here. It's just both teams slowly punching and elbowing each other, mixed in with some occasional choking. And then they start using weapons before they head to like a commercial break. And including, I couldn't figure out what one of these weapons was. I hope, if you know, let me know. Because it looked like a big ashtray or something, but I don't think it was an ashtray. Like one of them was clearly using a chair. But what the other weapon was, I have no idea.
0: You're talking about the third thing, because one is also using a coal miner's glove. Yeah, well, that... The other guy... The other guy... Who who the fuck is that? Do you you have any idea? I I am... I'm not going to lie to you, I have no clue who the fuck is. <laughs> like, well, yeah, so this
1: this is even before the other guy comes out, I think. Like, there's a... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has like a, something that looks there's, like a big ashtray, but I don't, I don't think it's an ashtray. But that's that's at, what it looks like.
0: Yeah. About. At one point, a fan is fucking up butch, like, uh, before the other guy involved in the match appears. Um, the, again, this is pure chaos, so forgive, forgive me for not, uh, you know, doing a full play-by-play here. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Yeah, uh, right when the commercial break appears, in particular, is uh, the period where this becomes an, an avant-garde brawl of such. <laughs> you just, it, It's very, very difficult to figure out what's going on because there's a crowd brawl that occurs, and then one sheep herder essentially disappears and never comes back.
1: Okay, I Uh, I didn't even pick up on that So I should tell you I did not notice that there's a a sheep herder Just vanishes into the ether So that's it
0: (laughs) Yeah, Butch is not around for the last Like five, six minutes of this And then it becomes a pure evil pro match Where like, I think Invader 1 And Carlos Cologne are just in the ring Just fucking up Luke And the fans are going nuts for this There's a ref stoppage That happens, but then they just Kind of keep going
1: I, I like, will be honest. When the when the guy with the gardener's glove came in and started beating on the sheep herder, this is where I checked the time, and I you know, I was somehow less than six minutes, and I was like, "How is that possible?" It felt like I had been watching them slowly beat each other up like a hundred minutes. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" Uh, but yeah, and then there is like a long period where they're all in the crowd, and we literally we literally cannot see anything but the crowd. Like that's all you can see. And then they cut back to the ring, and the gardener glove guy is just going insane on one of the sheep herders. I would love to know. I wrote down Gardener Glove. I guess it's actually coal miner's glove. It looks like yeah, it, it yeah. looks like he's fucking going to plant some goddamn bushes or something. Like, that's what it looks like. <laughs> and he has his fucking glove, and he's just going insane. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Who is this man? Why is he flipping out? Why does he have a glove? Why is he beating the shit out of this other guy? Uh And then the two of them, like, you know, obviously, Colors Cologne and and Invader come back, and they're also beating on the sheep herder. And this is where I guess, you know, like you said, the referee covers them with his body for some reason, and they pull the ref off and continue beating him, and I guess this is the fake stoppage. And- yeah,
0: because Invader 1 just throws the ref out of the ring and continues the beating, which is surely the least ethical thing Invader 1 has ever
1: done. Yeah, for sure. We haven't even mentioned this. He but- fucking murdered somebody, so a true evil pro <laughs> match here. This is the second, the second murderer, I guess, featured on this show. But uh- I was going to
0: say Benoit was on one of the early ones. Yeah, right? Benoit was on one of the
1: early oh benoit's been on twice i think so oh that's right yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) a lot of representation for benoit uh but yeah so like then i was like oh i forgot this was an ambulance match because they roll an ambulance out they put a sheep herder in it which makes it even weirder the referee have been trying to stop it and then lots of fans are like all around the ambulance so it's impossible to tell what's going on again and then it ends So The
0: last stretch of this where the fans fans were going insane and they're loading Luke away and Carlos and Invader 1 just sit on the top rope and just watch him being loaded away, but then Carlos puts the glove on and jumps off the top and just starts beating the shit out of him again. (laughs) And then Luke gets loaded into the ambulance, which you can't see because there's so many fans getting hype. This is like again, like, I've never seen a match that feels like that. Like, it feels like everything is teetering on the edge at all times, and, like, it's, like, maybe this is, this was not intended to be topical, but, like, it feels like a riot is occurring in a wrestling context at all. Like, it's, Mm -mm. I've just never seen something like this. It is pretty
1: crazy. It is pretty crazy. Uh, it was horrible, though, Chris, and it's definitely (laughs) the worst (laughs) professional wrestling match in this series and probably ever discussed on this show. Uh, but it's not one that i regret watching it's definitely not uninteresting but it is horrible (laughs) it is is really bad
0: see i love this shit and that's the thing like i kind of expected where i was like i'm gonna bring this and this is mostly walk and brawling and violence where i'm like john there's a good chance after i sent this link i was like there's a good chance john is gonna hate this so i'm like this will at least give something because like There is something for me, like weirdly, it's like ASMR where I'm watching dudes fuck each other up in slow motion, but also like (laughs) each other up in pretty much slow motion. See, I don't,
1: I don't hate, I mean, I don't think I'm with someone who hates brawls. There's plenty of brawls that I really like, but this was not, this was not a good brawl. This was just, (laughs) I couldn't even see what was going on most of the time. It was pretty horrible. Uh, But Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's one of those things you know
0: where i i think the crowd energy in this match really brings it up for me where like if if you want to talk about moves like i don't know if there's a single move done in this um there are there there are no there
1: are no moves yeah i i I don't think they ever do a move there's like just punching and elbowing and choking i think that's the entire offense
0: that's it like (laughs) And for me, a big part of why wrestling works for me is its energy. And um, I, so like shit like this, and like I, it can be literal to nothing happening in the ring, but if the crowd's like really going crazy or something, I will get into it. And also, if it's disreputable in some way, which this match very much is, I can, I can watch this kind of shit for hours. But also, like they're not doing. Shit. In terms of moves, that's the thing. So I like, I'm, I was like, I sent this over and I was like, this reaction, it's probably not going to be good, but like, I'm, I'm always intrigued showing this kind of match to somebody because it's, you don't get matches that feel like this in possibly anywhere anymore, which, uh, well, there's nobody, there's nobody that care.
1: Well, there's no fans that care enough at this point to get this kind of, like, nobody's, actually angry at heels the way these fans right. actually hated the bushwhackers so you're never going to get that kind of reaction anymore that's pretty much yeah it.
0: yeah because yeah. like i think of the the closest equivalent i guess would be like lucha brawls the last few years and like even when those get wild like i think of like the really hyped like Rouge park stuff from a few years ago like there's never really a sense of pure like danger in matches. It's just, like, here are some guys hitting each other with, uh, you know, the buckets that look like they're filled with jizz yeah. and, like, beer, beer koozies and shit. Well, the fans, but it doesn't feel dangerous. And the, the yeah. fans don't want to get at
1: Rouge is the thing. Like, nobody was at, That's nobody it. in those yeah. matches was, like, whereas here, these fans, I f- fully believe, want to, like, kill these butchwhackers, so.
0: Yeah, uh, like, I don't want to sound like, like, you know, like, fucking Jim Cornette or something, where it's, like, you know, like, uh you know, they had hate every night or whatever the fuck, but, like, this, like, there is real bloodlust in the air for these, these, these the the herders yeah. who again like I grew up with them you know they're they're the guys who lick people's heads <laughs> so like it adds it adds like a second funny layer to just watch this kind of thing but uh, yeah. I've I think, I've
1: seen like, them before like in before pre WWE and they were they were like a weirdly like serious heel team so it, it makes it, it's even weirder that they then became these comedy mm-hmm. figures I guess but
0: yeah, they're kind of like, like less movesy briscoes or something. And yeah. it's so weird. Like what the shift was when they got signed, Yeah, but Hey, they made a lot of money, I guess so yeah. that's, that's the rationale there. But, uh,
1: uh, so anyway. there, you go. there you go. So let's move over to my first pick, which was Shuji mm-hmm. Ishikawa versus Katsuhiro Higuchi from DDT on September 25th of 2016. Um, this is a match I that I absolutely love that. I haven't seen him forever. And I wanted to do a Puro match without doing New Japan again, since we did did a lot of New Japan last week. So I definitely wanted to, Mm -hmm. you know, give a week off from that. But, uh, you know, and if I remembered correctly, they just beat each other's asses. So I figured you would like that. But, um, you know, so that's pretty much why I picked it. And I have to give a huge (laughs) shout out to uh, my boy Andy Labar, who uploaded this for me after, first of all, Wrestle Universe didn't have it. Uh, and then I couldn't find it anywhere, like even the RootTube link got taken down, so Andy happened to have a copy and, like, uploaded it to YouTube, which is, uh, you know, why there's a YouTube link here, so shout out to Andy. Um, but yeah, I don't know, what did you, was this your first time seeing this, I guess, first of all, and then what'd you think of it?
0: It was. So, uh, Shuji Shinkawa, I'm familiar with from all Japan, but DDT, and it's weird, because I have a lot of friends who swear by DDT and love DDT, but they've love hate relationships. DDT is largely a blind spot for me, so... I have seen there's the possibility I've seen Higuchi matches before but like he's like not a guy I know almost anything about and I know that they had matches later like cuz when you had first mentioned this I like just was like let me just search for it I forgot you sent a link and I found one from like 2018 or something and which I didn't watch but they they've had a series. Is that correct?
1: Sort of, yeah. I mean, Shuji like kind of left DT after this, so mm-hmm. they haven't yeah. I think they've only wrestled like one or two more times. But uh, but yeah, this is definitely the best one they did. I think.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's I guess my my overall takeaway is that this match uh, fucking ruled. <laughs> yeah, I love this. <laughs> I yeah like Shuji like I, as soon as. You sent me a Shuji Chikawa match. I was like, okay, this is going to be... Am I still going to react to this the way I would have when... Because this is from 2016, right? Yeah. So, uh, like, then I definitely would have loved this, but, like, after a few years of, for lack of a better term, like, beef matches becoming normalized, um, I was like, well, this still resonate with me because so much has been done since of, like, big guys slapping each other in matches, for lack of a better term, and there's a lot of that in this all of it still resonated with me. Like, I fucking adored this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, I was I, going
0: crazy in this match.
1: I will say, I my reaction when I watched it back was a little surprising to me, where like there were portions of it that were a little more boring than I remembered. Uh, like, there's a long middle portion where Suji, like, working him over, including a chin lock that's, like, a little more dull than I remembered. But the stuff in mm-hmm. this match that kicks ass, like, really kicks ass. Like, you know, Suji, when he starts just beating his ass for elbows against the ropes... Like during which really picks up the heat segment that was really awesome, um, and then those fucking headbutts. Those you don't see anymore, uh-huh. <laughs> probably probably for good reason. But they really like put this like the violence here over the top. I mean, they, like Shuji does these top rope headbutts when they're both on the top rope, and then it leads like this double arm superplex off the top, and then followed by this gigantic running lariat in the corner, which is probably like the coolest spot, one of the coolest spots in the match. Um, and then like towards the end, like where they they start slapping each other, uh, you know, mo- and then they really, like, uh, start going in on the headbutt. So basically, well, before that, they trade lariats, and, like, Higuchi does this huge German suplex, and the look on Shuji's face during that is so great. Like, he just looks like, oh, shit. Uh, but then he no-sells it. He hits his own enormous backdrop, and then Higuchi no-sells that, puts him down the giant lariat. That was, like, classic, like, awesome Puro shit. Um, and then the, the really famous sequence that I remember, which... Uh, came much later than I remembered it, honestly, was them just slapping the motherfucking shit out of each other, and that fucking owns. And then Higuchi, you know, hits this like giant doctor bomb for like a really good near fall. And then they start the truly ridiculous headbutts where, you know, Higu- Ishikawa hits this like pulling in headbutt basically, where like drags him over what's the announcer called a Raymaker headbutt, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> and then Higuchi fires back with his own headbutts. And the he- they look really really sick, and then Shuji finally like hits this big knee and the giant driver for the pin. Um, yeah, this just go that all that stuff at the end just goes so fucking hard. And then, and I still had the same reaction that I did four years ago. You know, when when watching all that crazy yeah. shit, like it's very easy to mark out for that
0: that's it yeah like because there's a little there is a little bit of table setting in this match and that is true and like the the, the see the chinlock wasn't that egregious to me and that might be just because i'm so starved for wrestling with people at this point where i'm like even working over like i'm like love it like my critical faculties are completely broken now so i'm just like yeah i fucking adore this i love this i love that but when Shuchi locks in Haguchi's legs and then locks the arms and pulls forward and just keeps headbutting him in the face over and over. I'm like, yeah, this is what it's this is fucking what it's all about. <laughs> like it's going crazy. You know, like I have like I'm sitting in my living room. My girlfriend has like police footage on from the, you know, uh, you know, the the protest going on on, you know, her laptop and the other TV. I'm watching one man headbutt another man repeatedly in a ring and I'm just like everything is happening to me right now. <laughs>
1: That's I love a good way. shit. It's a good way to you know. it. out. <laughs> Is that her laughing in the background? Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, It's a small apartment, Um, but uh, you know, like it's such simple things that were making me go. So again, I don't know much about Higuchi, and he just came off like such a smug prick in this match. Like it was like a father like chastising his son or something, slapping the shit out of Higuchi half the time because he I don't know like what is the backstory of this match? If
1: you can, there is no real backstory. I mean, Higuchi is. Higuchi is, like, the ace of the uh, D.E.T. young person sub-brand, which is DNA, mm-hmm. DDT new attitude. And this is just, like, him stepping up and challenging Ishikawa. Really, there's really no other backstory to it. I mean, okay. it's, for, it's for the K.O.D. title. So, like, that's pretty much it. Like, he's just getting his, This is, like, his first big title shot. And everybody kind of knew he had no chance. But, you know, he was just kind of trying to step up and get to another level.
0: Which he still hasn't
1: really gotten to to this day, by the way. So...
0: That's a shame.
1: Because he comes off like such a huge star in this match. Yes, and he then follows that up by doing nothing for many years, which is very, very weird. And I, I mean, you could put that as much on Det's booking as on him. But you know, I do think he also like never really lived up to the standard of this match again, which is a, kind of interesting. But in the last few months, he's they've kind of started to try to rehab him. I mean, he has his own unit now, uh, Eruption with. Saki Akai and, uh, oh god, why am I blanking? The, uh, Yukio Sakaguchi. <laughs> I don't know why I suddenly blanked on Sakaguchi. But yeah, Saki Akai and Yuki Sakaguchi, and, you know, the, the unit is clearly designed to be, like, his thing. And But then, at uh, the same token, like, everybody thought they were building him up to maybe the one to beat Masajinaka, and they just had him lose his contract, his, uh, Tedo Shot to Tetsuya Endo. So it's like, okay. It's very weird. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess well, I I don't I don't know if they're ever gonna. I mean, Higuchi, I I like him in DDT, and I think he you know I think people the the knee jerk reaction of get Higuchi out of DDT from non DDT fans is a little silly. But in the same token, it is true that he doesn't. It's true that he doesn't connect with DDT fans on the level you might expect him to if you're paying attention from the outside. I'm not convinced that's not just because like he doesn't have that like star quality. I don't I don't know I don't know if he would be like a top level main event star anywhere. I think he might just be like a classic like upper mid card kind of like kind of guy. But I don't know.
0: That's not nothing though.
1: Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's that really isn't the well, word. Well people act people act like it is now and it's like well, you know, not not everybody's gonna be the fucking top guy. I don't know what to tell you. I mean he he if he's some people role- have Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was no, going
0: to say some people carve out really nice careers in the upper mid card. That's like mean, totally no, fine.
1: It's There's nothing wrong with being Hiroki Godo. Like, people act like it's hey, a That's fucking... exactly
0: who I was going to compare
1: <laughs> to. Like, people act like that's a death sentence. I mean, Hiroki Godo's had an awesome career. I mean, if Okuchi's going to be the Hiroki Godo D T, then that's what he's going to be. I mean, I don't know why people act like that's the fucking end of the fucking world. But anyway.
0: Yeah. This is such a small, stupid thing, but... Huguchi getting into stance and just running and just shoving ishikawa down to the ground it was such a simple spot in the match but i were thinking i was like this guy i'll fucking follow this guy (laughs) that's by the way
1: that's because he's a former sumo that was a sumo that's what i thought because i was like
0: he's if if he's setting up a sumo stance like this has to be a callback to something yeah i actually yeah like i didn't research him further like which i probably should have done but like that that makes sense because i was like that's throwing in a sumo spot like that with no intentionality while still probably being pretty cool like i imagine (laughs) there's probably some kind of uh greater purpose behind this this is me being shown up as again someone who i know very little about ddt i've seen like mostly just mostly the big comedy matches which is you know yeah it i i know it's like the tale of two promotions with them kind of yeah but
1: I mean, this is always my. This was like my go-to match to recommend people if they want if they want to see like, you know, a like a serious DT match for a little while because I think people do have, obviously, have that perception that's all comedy, which is not remotely true. But uh, but yeah, but yeah. So this mm-hmm. match is awesome. I don't know. If there's do anything else you want to say about it before we move on?
0: No. I mean, that's pretty much where I am. Like, I love this. That's it. I
1: guess I never told you my star. My I never said my star rating. I I, I would still go four and a half, maybe before, I, I think the first time I thought I was like four and three quarters, so I guess I came down like a quarter star. I don't think you're a star rating guy, so you don't have to give a... Nah, like, not really. I'll, yeah. I'll respectfully decline. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, I would say this is like a four and a half star match now for me, but you know, just like little things like the chin lock and stuff, like, you know, the the middle portion was a little more boring than I remember, but it's still like an amazing outstanding match.
0: Yeah, it goes like slightly long. Which is the yeah. one thing I
1: could say about it that might be a criticism, but like,
0: man, the good stuff is so good.
1: Yeah. Alright, so your second pick was Crazy Crusher versus Hellstorm from the Quebec Indie Promotion EWR, December nineteenth, two thousand four, a ladder match. Before you tell me why you picked this or anything, I just want to say. I when you sent me these two these three matches, because I, I knew your fucking third pick was gonna win, uh I figured I was going to be watching three bad matches. I figured that was the gimmick here, uh, you know, because you're first of all you're the host of the Bad Wrestling Podcast and all that. Uh, this match was awesome. Like this fucking, uh-huh. this fucking <laughs> rules. I had no idea who these two people were. I had no idea what it was. Uh, this is fucking awesome. So no, you did not. If anybody didn't watch this because you know when I put out the the links beforehand because you assumed chris was sending three bad matches or something please make sure you watch this match this match is incredible and it fucking rules so like yeah i i the before you even tell me anything why you picked it i need to stress that for people listening like this is on youtube you have to fucking watch it but go ahead why'd you pick this match <laughs>
0: Well, I'm going to say first, I kind of had a loose three stages of hell structure in mind when I chose my matches, which is to say, three, you know, the three classic stipulations ambulance match, ladder match, and uh, wrestling match. (laughs) But uh, this one, (laughs) I think I mostly picked because of the deceptive quality. Uh, These two guys, I had first heard of this match uh, because of, I want to say, someone from like Segunda Kaida or something was talking about it being really good. And, you know, you never know. So I was like, let me check this thing out. And um, it's. Yes, it's sloppy and it's more is more, but this is matches where this is a match where those things are assets, not flaws, cuz this is like th- one of the most excessive ladder matches you'll ever see. But everything about it fucking rules and um I know like it's had a little bit of a cult resurgence in the last like year. I want to say Joey Janella put it on a Twitch stream at some point, but it's still a match I've it, it, not that many people know about it and it's so fucking cool. It's it's, it's a long match, but it doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome to me. Like, everything... Things just keep fucking happening. And even after... This is 04, so in the intervening 16 or so years... The latter match has been beaten to meaninglessness, to me.
1: But, so I'm gonna, I wanna, I want to talk about that at the, at the end. But there is a lot yeah, of stuff... Ahead. There's a lot of stuff in this match that nobody has ever done before or since... And mm-hmm. you, would th- you would think people would steal some of this, and I'm surprised they haven't. But on the other hand, some of this shit looks so fucking painful that I get why they haven't. But, uh, yeah, this... I mean, this match is... I mean, I, I wrote down a lot of spots, so we'll get into them. But, like, there's so much shit in this match that has never been tried before or since. And, you know, I don't know who the fuck these people are. I don't know what they did before after <laughs> EWR... Before after this match. I assume they watched. one other
0: crazy crusher match i've only ever seen one other match with crazy crusher and it was also on youtube which is a no rope barbed wire match with a guy named nightmare which is nowhere near as good as this okay so i assume they I don't know what
1: these guys were i assume they just like are they just have like quebec indie careers and then just kind of like went away basically that's fine probably yeah but yeah um first of all the first thing i have to say i'm pretty sure hellstorm came out to a japanese song as a theme song so keeping in line with the omakase here i guess but uh i didn't i didn't recognize what it was but i I went back and listened like three times i'm like that man's singing in japanese i think like that's so weird so weird and random uh and yeah and then there's, like there's okay so the very first thing is like there's like this the two of them try to set this wheelbarrow spot where they are gonna wheelbarrow suplex him onto a ladder and they kind of fall down and you're like, oh, maybe this is not going to be good. But then the actual suplex looks fucking crazy, and he just fucking tosses him into this ladder, and you're like, oh, wait, maybe this is going to be awesome after all. And, you know, the, the very next spot, like, that really started to get me to go, go crazy for this is, like, he—they set up Hellstorm's head in—inside, like, I don't know how to describe this chair. It's, like, these old chairs that you might see, like, in a— uh, in, like, a school or something, where they, yeah. they have that hole in the curve and like he puts his head through the hole and then kicks his fucking head I'm just like what the fuck like he'd never seen that it's before yeah uh, and it's... that <laughs> that gets like three people to do a dueling chant which I thought was funny uh, but yeah the crowd
0: is so funny to match. like, I think there's like five or six separate holy shit
1: chants in this match. yeah uh, okay so here's where like the craziest and they're earned is the thing yeah like, all of them make sense oh yeah what? Because like, nowadays, sometimes people will chant Holy shit before a match actually does anything So, <laughs> I mean, you know uh, <laughs> But yeah, so like here's the first spot where I'm just like Well, this actually, this one really isn't that dangerous at all And I, I really don't get why no one's ripped this off Because it's pretty amazing So they set up one ladder uh, You know, there's one ladder set up in the ring like normal To the belt, underneath the belt They set up another ladder um, diagonally onto the post on the outside, outside the ring, yeah. yeah, so basically hellstorm runs up the diagonal ladder that's up against the post on the floor and then jumps from that ladder inside the ring onto the ladder in the ring and fucking goes so fast up the ladder, which again, this actually uh makes more way more fucking sense. Than a lot of ladder matches Especially in WWE Where the guy acts like They can't fucking climb Almost immediately Like this guy's like I'm gonna fucking get this Fucking belt as fast uh-huh. as I can And it really makes A lot of sense And I honestly can't believe I've never seen that spot Before since I don't know why No one's ever ripped that off Cause it looks awesome And it's not like that dangerous i mean like a lot of the shit that follows that that, that nobody does before since i get why no one's ever done it before since but this one i don't i don't know why no one's why no one's tried to rip that off that looks that looked awesome so there you go i I was
0: gonna say speaking of danger right after that spot Mm -hmm. while he's on the ladder crazy crusher comes in and pushes the ladder down from under him and he falls right on his head and it looks (laughs) nasty
1: Uh, so it's like (laughs) And then These right... guys were
0: both a ten on the Snabu scale. I think is probably what I'm getting at here. Uh,
1: soon after that, there is a pile driver off the ladder onto the top turnbuckle, with both guys falling to the floor. And there's a spot that I get why no one's ripped off. Like my god. <laughs> uh, and then there's another one where like a dude stands on one ladder that's upside down with the guy laying inside of it. And then he suplexes another ladder onto his head, and even yells "Brainbuster" when he does it.
0: <laughs> I was screaming at this. This is another one where, like, I've seen this a few times, and the spots never lose their power for me. Because right after that, um, Crazy Crusher gets up, still trapped in a ladder, and then push his Hellstorm off a ladder into the ropes, and like. I, no one ever stops. It's always move, 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 move. But in a way where it, it's all cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just so cool. Um, and then, okay, so if I was going to have any complaints, this would be the next thing. When they spend a really long time building some kind of giant three-ladder contraption, and that's where it kind of was losing me a little bit, it's like, okay, you gotta, gotta build this a little bit faster, guys. But <laughs> the actual spot it set up was really insane. Where... Hellstorm suplexes Crazy Crusher down on top of the other standing ladder, from the top of the third one to the fuck the highest one, onto another one. That looks like it could have killed a man. I mean, that legitimately looks like it could have been fatal, or at least is, broken his spine.
0: That is an absolutely terrifying bump, and they keep going after.
1: Yeah, it. I mean, that is seriously up there for like the grossest bump I've ever seen as a wrestling fan. So, I mean, that's really something um it's yeah
0: yeah it's um i want to say like I, right after this they keep doing crazy shit too like i a, think right after Valley driver that's right yeah where they it's off the ladder onto the one set up in the corner if i'm yeah. not mistaken
1: it's like a, it's like well it's off the ladder onto another ladder that's lying across the top rope and then both guys like fall all the way to the floor which is again really fucking sick I'm trying
0: to remember if this is before or after, but there's one point where there's two ladders that are bridging from the ring to the guardrail, and then Crusher is hung by a third ladder on top of them, like in like a crucified position or something. And then Hellstorm just runs the ropes and tries to do a senton out of the ring to him, but completely eats shit and lands on his head, and it looks terrifying. Like oh, yeah. it's all this setup for just a terrifying head drop. This is. This is one of the most dangerous matches I've ever seen, I think. Like, yeah. It's one where... I, I don't know what either of these guys are up to now, but I'm almost like, like I hope they're okay.
1: Because <laughs> you know? uh, They really do. They, they they take some bumps. I'm just like, I, I don't know how you survive this. Uh, after all that, by the way, the finish is... <laughs> Crazy Crusher <laughs> punches the shit out of him while they're both climbing. Hellstrom gets his leg hooked in the ladder and can't get out. And Crazy Cracker grabs the belt and wins. I will say after all that shit that's one of the most anticlimactic finishes of all time
0: in a wrestling match. It's weird because it's like how else you know what I mean it's like, one of those it's like how can they end it you know it's like what do you do at this point? So, I mean, maybe end just it with it. one of those insane spots we just talked about. Right yeah they just end it like that and it's funny because like the, it, I remember thinking the first time I saw this where I was like they might be building something crazy because they're both climbing the ladders at one point Hellstorm pushes the one with Crazy Crusher down but it bounces off the ropes and he gets right Right up into position, you're like, okay. And then uh Hellstorm starts pogo stick jumping on the ladder to like reposition it. And I'm like, they're they're setting up for something, you know, something fucking crazy. This is gonna be the craziest thing the whole match. And then he just gets his leg like, stuck in <laughs> it's like, oh okay.
1: And it is really funny. <laughs> it's a really funny way to end it, but I do I did knock it down a little bit because of that. But the match owns, uh, I would go I would say four and a quarter because there's no match to speak of between the crazy bumps, and you know, sometimes it did take a really long time to set up the ladders, plus it had, like I said, the maybe one of the worst fans I've ever seen. But I mean, it's still an amazing match that like I cannot recommend enough. Like you have to watch this. It is really, really, really like you'll see so many bumps that you will you've never seen before and hopefully will never see again. Uh, it was really, <laughs> really something. Now, what you were talking about earlier about the ladder match being uh you know, overexposed and everything. I've been on the record before saying I fucking hate ladder matches. Watching this and watching Benoit versus Jericho, uh, on the Joel Abraham episode a few weeks back has really crystallized for me that what I actually hate are multi-man ladder matches. Those fucking suck. Yes. That's all we book nowadays, by the way. That's AEW just had one this past weekend. WWE has them every fucking two seconds, either money in the bank or like NXT will have one seemingly every other goddamn month. And it's like, multi-man ladder matches it's just a bunch of guys flying in and out of, the fr- out of the frame it's impossible to give a shit because you know ricochet might do some buck- fucking giant move and then he'll take some giant move and then he'll be gone for 15 minutes and then it's like oh look it's ricochet again and it's like i i, I there's nothing for me to get invested in watching this it's just a bunch of guys doing a bunch of shit with you know no consequence uh you know nothing to follow really it's just like okay here comes this guy uh, now that guy's gone oh uh, here comes this guy uh now he's gone here it's like when there's two people in a fucking match it's like yeah they're doing all this crazy shit but like at least i can follow the fucking match like i can follow hellstorm and crazy crusher two people i don't know who they are and i've never seen Russell before and probably will never see russell again and i care more about them in this match i will ever care about anybody in the fucking aw casino ladder match because at least they're on my goddamn screen the entire time and it's not just random fucking bodies flying in and out of the you know you know what i'm trying to say like just they're yeah they're in the match it's just their match it's not random people just doing fucking doing moves or whatever and yeah so we need (laughs) to say something we need to bring back the one-on-one ladder match that's my that's my conclusion
0: you specifically mentioned the casino ladder match Which is right around the same length as this match They're both like just under A half hour like they're about 25 26 minutes something like that I can remember One spot that happened in that AEW casino match which is Darby Allen jumping off a ladder with a skateboard Through another and Eating shit and hurting his leg which is pretty cool And then there was a whole lot Of nothing this I can remember Like like 8 to 10 crazy spots wow. <laughs> It's and i mean if you're doing a ladder match it's ultimately what it's all about right it's yeah like, it's the memorable spots and that aw thing like that was just a whole lot of nothing happening for like ages and ages and then brian cage up.
1: <laughs> i mean i can remember like, i was gonna say i can remember brian cage like tossing darby on the ladder out of the ring because that spot looks stupid like why not just toss him? oh right yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, like,
0: that was silly in a bad way yeah, like, yeah. that wasn't even good the one good part of that was just Taz walking around looking like a menacing penguin
1: outside the <laughs> ring. Like that was
0: kind of fun, but like <laughs> the rest of it,
1: uh. Orange Cassidy was funny. But the actual match it's, like that was the only highlight of that match. Basically, was Orange Cassidy being funny, but like the actual like fucking wrestling and the, the spots are just. But yeah, I'm not not trying to pick on AEW. It's everyone like the money yeah, right, in the, bank, yeah. the money in the bank matches haven't been good in forever I mean I didn't I didn't watch this year's thank, thanks to the voters thankfully but yeah I mean the money bank matches suck the NXT ones suck it's just we need to ban yeah. multi-main ladder matches
0: I'm not gonna lie I did vote for that money in the bank match Uh-oh. against uh, that was against Okada <laughs> Shibata right yes. so you, you did you actually did get off very easy is the thing it's <laughs> like Okada Shibata is like that match is like it, even with the circumstances around it that match flies by yeah. that money in the bank match I haven't seen it either but like From all accounts it's like it it sounds brutal. It sounds very difficult to watch.
1: I have I almost was uh you know in what are you gonna say? (laughs) Like I was almost uh played myself, I guess. But it worked out okay. All I had to do was send the link to a bunch of random people and ask them. I
0: I wasn't even gonna vote for it, but the fact that you nominated it was like (laughs) such a funny like it was such a weird like setting yourself up thing. I was like, All right,
1: They I really see this
0: shit through I
1: really <laughs> didn't think Like I had no idea What to put up against Because I'm like What am I supposed to put up Against one of the best matches Of all time It's like Should I just declare of the winner By default Like I don't I didn't really understand So I just was like Okay I was gonna say like, That's like it's 20-
0: Universally
1: Yeah Nobody ever- hates that match There are lots of people Who <laughs> hate New Japan And I've never seen them Like talk shit about it Everybody that
0: loves that match yeah. yeah It's It's so funny But Um <laughs> Anyway Uh do you want to talk about your second match?
1: Yes, but uh, I, I just want to again say, for the record, make sure you watch that ladder match. Okay, my second pick was Homicide versus Takashi Morishima from Ring of Honor, uh, February 17, thousand seven, for the ROH World Title. Um, I don't know why I picked this. Like Morishima was coming up in the Voice of Wrestling Slack like the week before this, and you know it made me remember what like a term, like a you know what a wild period this was and. You know, how much turmoil there was around uh, the decision to put Morishima over here and his whole run. Um, and I just kind of wanted a chance to talk about Homicide, who's like a... I think a very a very underrated figure in wrestling. I mean, he... If you weren't around in, you know, late 01, early 02, I don't know if it even will make sense like what a big figure he and Loki were together. I mean, what they did... You know as these new york local guys who like revere japanese wrestling and like you know you know i mean homicides nicknamed the strong south thug first of all uh greatly confused people as to what strong style was for the last 20 years but like it just yeah but, that because <laughs> <laughs> he was clearly an all japan guy like you could see watching his stuff like he loved you know, all the, all Japan shit. And, you know, I think he confused people. He was, he should have been the King. That was kind of the
0: story. That was the kind of the story of all the guys from this period. I think of the Briscoes too, where like their style was so much just biting Kingsborough and stuff. Yeah. And people, people are the the strong style. Like that's never going back in the bottle. People are just going to say that forever now, unfortunately, but yeah, it's a shame. But But, anyway, but
1: yeah, he (laughs) met, he, he, homicide. He was always one of my favorites. Like, uh, you know, for a long time, one of my internet passwords was, like, Homicide, and people would see this and be like, why is this your password? I have to explain. No, there's a, I'm not a murderer. <laughs> there's a pro wrestler that I really love. His name is Homicide. But anyway, uh, like <laughs> that was, like, me trying to explain this to people in, like, 2004. But yeah, I mean, like, he, he was this local guy who, like, you know, when I started going to indie shows in, like, Jersey All Pro Wrestling, you know, it was just really cool seeing like a you know a local wrestler who loved japanese wrestling and he he was basically uh you know aping japanese wrestling at the same time i was discovering japanese wrestling so i think that was like a huge reason why he was important to me and then you know if if homicide and low-key don't come up at this time who the fuck knows where wrestling is right because so much of wrestling was influenced by ring of honor like, I think, you know, clearly Ring of Honor from, like, 2002 to, like, 2008 was super influential. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. if you know, they, they like, provided, like, such a, a base of, like, you know, these two, you know, these two, like, guys from New York who loved Japanese wrestling. And so much of early Ring of Honor was aping Japanese wrestling. So, you know, and that became, like, such a U.S. indie thing. So now maybe if you don't like Japanese wrestling, maybe you're, like you know, the U.S. wrestling would have been better. <laughs> but, like, uh, I just think it's a... They're very, very influential. And I don't know if people really understand that 18 years later, that, like, how influential Homicide and Loki both were. So, you know, Homicide, ring about our world title reign, very well-deserved here. And, you know, it came to a very quick end for reasons we can get into. But, uh, you know, he definitely... It was watching him, the build-up to him winning that title from Brian Danielson in 2006 was so cool. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll tackle that another time. But yeah, I mean, like, this was, you know, a couple months after he won it. This is where he lost it here to Morishima. And then Morishima on the other side is, like, really interesting because uh, this run was supposed to be, you know, him getting ready for the big run of his career. And instead, it ended up being the big run of his career. Like, he never reached this high again. I mean, I, I, he won the GHC title, but, like, he never lived up to the potential he showed here. Like, he never... I mean, he first of all, his big problem was he never seemed to have... I mean, his his biggest strength was he he was amazing against smaller wrestlers. The problem was he was never as good against wrestlers his own size. So he could beat the shit out of juniors, and it would be fucking amazing as as it was here, honestly. But like you know, and he had some really awesome matches with Kenta, uh, you know, back in Noah. But like against other guys his own size, against other heavyweights, you know, he really struggled to live up to that. I think so. You know, that's why that's probably a big reason why it never. You know, the, the, he never really lived up to that potential. But this run was, was fucking awesome. So, uh, and I, it was also very divisive, but I think it was, you know, like some of the Ring of Honor fan base wasn't into it at the time, but it was awesome. Now, Chris, before I ask you for your thoughts on this match, uh, were you at this match?
0: I was not, although okay. I have seen this match before. so. Okay.
1: Cause I know you're local, so that's why I figured. Yeah,
0: it. I, I wasn't living in Philly at the time, and uh. the other thing was I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. So, um, I, as a kid, I had pretty much gotten out of wrestling in like early to mid '05, and would occasionally kind of like poke my head in for various things. I remember um, specifically like a, a little bits of '06 ROH. I kind of poked my head in, you know, and like things like that. But when I was in college, someone showed me. A bunch of ring of honor matches and uh, this was one of them and i think because i wasn't really in touch i remember thinking like morishima ended up becoming this massive star afterwards and when i fully fully got back into wrestling in like 2013 ish i remember being convinced like i was like where the fuck is morishima at and like i think he was like still a noah guy he ended up retiring a couple years later but like he never really moved at all and i just assumed he was this world beater because this match was so cool
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and um and like it's a strange thing because this feels to me like it's a shocking ending but it's also a coronation of like th- he comes off like a fucking monster in
1: this yes match. which they do on purpose which is you know yeah. really it's really well really well structured and really well booked and homicide obviously was very generous here and like really let more shima look like a fucking killer at his expense as we'll go into as we go through it um, yeah, because this is, if I'm not mistaken,
0: um, this is his second ROH match,
1: Morishima. Or is yes. it's the previous yeah, night this... he lost to Samoa Joe, in New York. Okay, yeah, which yeah I was yeah. at I was at both shows. I was at the the New York show where he lost to Joe, or went to a non finish or something. I don't I don't remember. He didn't mm-hmm. beat him. But I remember that. So that which him not beating Joe made this even more shocking, I think, to people. So um, but yeah, I was yeah. at this show as well in Philly, and. You know, because this, this is still in the period where I was going to pretty much every Ring of Honor show in the Northeast. Uh, you know, this that period would kind of... I guess that period would end, would end like, late 08, I guess. I don't know. I always kind of, like... It's hard for you to remember now exactly when I stopped going. But uh, it was, like, late 08, early 09 or something. But, yeah, I mean, like, I was definitely, you know, at this, at this show. Um, so this starts with Morishima jumping homicide like pretty much immediately and just beats his ass all around ringside which is awesome and then when homicide you know probably gets the most offense he's, he gets in the entire match where he fires up outside the ring and like you know he whips him right through one of the famous ROH barricades well before WWE made that cliche with Roman Reigns and you know right. that was such a cool spot um and then Julius Smokes like gives him an assist with a clothesline on the floor uh, which i i that that's one of the things that makes Morrison look like a badass for like you know julius smokes was not interfering in all of homicides matches at this point yeah, the fact yeah. that he he felt the need to do it here even though they were baby faces and they were like you know and and you kind of even got the reaction from the crowd like the crowd does not boo it the crowd is like that's understandable this man looks like a monster so, yeah,
0: they need. He needs the assistance, and like it's weird too, because like you know, smoke. Julius smokes is yelling outside the ring about how like this is America and stuff like that. The uh, Wokes <laughs> aren't going to like this one, so to speak. Uh, but like, like uh, you know, but that I see. Uh, uh, the crowd's fucking cheering. Then again, this is an ROH 7 crowd, so they they probably are going to
1: like this one. <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah. Julius Smokes yelled a lot of stuff that didn't come on the fucking tape. He at one point says. Some, he said something like, we're going to diet on pork fried rice tonight." I always remember that one. Cause, oh, Jesus. Cause even Well, because I was going to say, even the people sitting around me were just like, uh like there is like a like there was like a weird laugh slash like uh like i don't know about that one it was very like, <laughs> like there was the very... idea yeah,
0: you know where you're you're giving these the mid-2000s philly crowds pause <laughs> it's like that's probably a point where you got to reevaluate a little bit and like maybe 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 tone down the act yeah and then
1: <laughs> like right after that when Morshima lays him out he yelled egg rolls tight and i'm just like uh, again people are just Fuck. like uh. yeah uh there you go. Oh, but, uh, Jesus, man. yeah. Because
0: uh, the thing is, like, Julius Smokes, I always really enjoyed him as a manager. He's he's uh, he's a great Maybe manager. Would other... ne-
1: he's a great manager that would need to change his act in twenty twenty. That's for sure.
0: Oh yeah, he wouldn't get away with like what he's doing here now. But he brings so much life outside the ring. I think. Like, yeah. I think I compare him to someone cont- contemporaneously, but like someone like Prince Nana, who like was nowhere near his he just wasn't like this at all yeah and i mean i yeah i I really fucking loved him anyway
1: yeah i mean he was awesome but he was also like you said uh very not very much not woke (laughs) i guess you could say
0: yes yeah i guess like if, if if you take out the actual content of the words he's saying noise wise and energy wise he's great but unfortunately you know yeah, there I are mean, words that are leaving
1: his mouth there yeah his mouth. <laughs> i mean they're also like the you know the c c word i guess you could say that yeah i mean that that, that oh that fuck is, i didn't even hear that oh that is audible i hear like he calls him you know a blank sucker you know uh but yeah oh yeah but uh anyway, so back to the match. Mm-hmm. They try to double team him again with a double Irish whip in the ring, which the ref just lets go for some reason. And Morshima runs them both over the double clothesline. That was awesome. And then he does his handspring splash into the corner, which always looked a little sloppy, but still just looked fucking crazy for a man his size. The crowd is like, you know, oh my god! Like that's basically the first time the crowd is like, this this guy's crazy. The crowd, like,
0: barks at this, like, out of surprise. It's so
1: cool, (laughs) because
0: it's, like, you know, guys this size... I don't know how normalized guys this big doing shit like this was in 07. It wasn't at all. But, yeah, I was going to say, it feels pretty novel at this point to me, because I can't think of too many contemporary guys doing stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then this match, this is where, like, it really starts doing a really great job, like, you know, basically just putting Morshima over for the big run he's going to be on, because he just looks... He looks great in his agile spots, and then he just also like completely no cells, hom- homicide striking uh, while the announcers just yell about how big and tough he is and this is one of those things where it's like yeah wrestling is really fucking easy and people like make it really hard for some reason and it's like no yeah. just have a big dude stand there and look like a badass it's really not difficult like and you know it, for his, the, the more Shima run did and didn't work and you know we can get into that but like nobody ever questioned this man was a badass and because and a big part of it was that Homicide put him over so strong here. Um, you know, the heat yeah. segment gets a little... Yeah. The heat segment gets a little dull with, like, the long head stitches from Morishima, Uh and then, like, Homicide... But then Homicide, like, he makes this great... This comeback with, like, this awesome Ace Crusher and he always had... Possibly the great, the greatest Ace Crusher slash, uh, you know, cutter in wrestling. I think like he just makes it look so fucking good when he does like that one motion. So it's
0: it's, it looks so smooth, and also like it has a viciousness to it. Like it's not easy to combine those two things. But how, I think part of seeing Prime Homicide is just like how fucking good he was at all times, and like he's still fun when he pops up on modern shows. But like it's just, it's like night and day. I mean, just he was
1: just... he was a guy that could. He had like that. He had the badass aura. He had obviously his lariats were fucking always fucking amazing. Like he, there might be, like, there there probably was not an American wrestler who like threw lariats like he did, and, you know, like other than like obviously the the famous ones like Stan Hansen and stuff. But like as far as like yeah. American wrestlers in America, like his his lariats were just fucking crazy, and then like, you know. On top of all that, like, he just... He could come up with these moves sometimes, which is, like... I I think he had a rep for being, you know... People were like, oh, he was a deathmatch guy. He was a brawler. But, like, his, like, execution of moves was, like, actually, like... Really high level. Like, his suplexes always looked really good. His ace crusher, like I said, was, like, the best, probably, that you'll ever see. So, like, I don't know. Like, he's one of those guys, I think... uh, He also, like... He didn't have like what what what's what you call like a the best look i guess maybe like he, he always wore a t shirt and stuff, so I think people might think like oh he's a you know people i think would see him and be like, oh he's probably like yarder or something and it's like no he he like his wrestling move execution was probably as good as anybody as far as the moves he did so uh yeah <laughs> but yeah they I don't. I don't. He's I mean, very good at doing moves. That's basically what it comes down to. That's it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like that's the thing. Like because that was going to be my response. I was like, yeah, it looks fucking sick when he does everything in this. Yeah. And I. I think I was. This is again a very small spot, but I was just smiling ear to ear when during what could have just been a headlock spot, he is. He starts biting Morishima's arm, and then across Morishima's nose repeatedly. And it's there's such hate to it. Yeah. Morishima is also clearly not feeling it at all, and I was just like, "Oh, yeah, this this fuck kicks ass!" Like, you know? sort <laughs> of just like, I know this is how it's supposed to be, you know what I mean? Like, it's and that kind of thing. It's, I don't know. Like, maybe I should watch more of this rain to understand why Morishima, in particular, like never totally clicked. But he comes off again like the the coolest fucking wrestler. In this match,
1: yeah, I mean he just. I, I mean, no sells everything, which always helps. It,
0: that's it. Like I know that doesn't always work with people, but like the ending sequence where he hits, I, I think three backdrop drivers, and like there were, there are brief comebacks in between, but like he looks like such an absolute monster.
1: Yeah, I think it was two backdrops and one that wasn't, which I'm gonna I was gonna that, angrily yes. chastise the announcers for it, but all uh... right, I look, I know, <laughs> I. Uh smokes like so Julius Smokes like at one point gets involved again and like grabs his ankle from the floor when he's on top, which again makes Morshima look like a badass because he these two dudes need to double team him just to have a chance. And it leads to a really great homicide super flex for two. Uh and then Morshima like he catches him coming off the top with like a modified overhead belly to belly, which while he has a bloody nose from like the Homicide lariat, which just rules as a visual and gets like a big Morshima chant for the first time. Uh, and then he like no sells two more drop kicks, um, you know. Homicide does like a drop toe hold, and then the only thing in the in the stretch run that looks kind of bad is the homicide doing a like the. I actually don't think this was his fault. I think it was more fault, but like there was a top rope Rana that just looks really bad, and I think more. Moshima... It, it looks. Oh
0: sorry god! I thought that looked like total shit, and I couldn't figure out why.
1: I think <laughs> Morshima yeah. mistimed it. That's what I. That's what I, th- I went back and watched it again to try to figure it out. And I think Morshima just rolls like in a weird and like sloppy way, and just kind of the timing is off. So uh, I think it was his fault. But who knows? That makes sense. Yeah. But then after that, he gets tossed with a really cool looking uh, sambo suplex from Morshima, which the announcer incorrectly calls a backdrop driver, which makes no sense. <laughs> that's cause- it. Because yeah. Morshima wasn't even behind him. So, how can it be a backdrop driver when the man's not behind him? Anyway. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's like a Sambo <laughs> suplex with like the arm across the neck. I love that move, and it doesn't get used enough, especially today. So, uh, you know, I, I was very angry at this announcer for misidentifying uh, it. But yeah, there's like a, a really badass like quick strike exchange. Where the, you know, it's like two seconds. So it doesn't go on too long and become cliched or anything. But like Morishima just shrugs off Homicide Strikes... He hits this big, giant... Even, like, this big, giant chop that sounded great. And he goes for another... He goes for, like, the, the backdrop driver. And Homicide, like, elbows his way out of it. He keeps trying these boots to the face. But, like, Morseema just fucking catches his leg and just tosses it, which looks great. And then, you know, hits this enormous backdrop driver. And then a huge lariat for a two-count, which is just an awesome sequence. And then he finally hits another backdrop yeah. driver. And get, that gets the pin, which absolutely you have never seen a crowd more flabbergasted than this and i remember being in the crowd and like people just like with their fucking hands to their heads just people being like what the fuck like to say no one thought there's gonna be a title change here would be an understatement if anything like this was people thought you know this this no arrestor was gonna be here for the weekend he's gonna put over homicide or they were gonna do some nonsense or something and that was gonna be it he kills homicide takes the title and everybody's just like, what the fuck is this? Like, nobody saw that coming. So.
0: The thing is, like, knowing Morishima wins this match, even. The ending sequence where he, he hits the backdrop driver, then the lariat and a kick out. I remember, like, thinking, like, oh, well, you know, there's going to be a little more after this. Eventually, Morishima will take it. But, like, you know, Homicide's going to have one last big comeback. But, no, he just gets up and gets backdrop driver again, and that's it. And that's such a cool ending and such it really does feel like the air is taken out of the arena sales, but not in a bad way. Like sometimes, like you can tell when a show has been killed, but it like this being the title change on this note, like it legitimately feels like, oh, like we we fucking played you. Is Gabe still here for this? This is still Gabe era. This is still Gabe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he's not. That's another year when he goes. So I will give the rare uh, shout out to Gabe here for uh, this ending feeling. It's a great ending to a match. I, I love this in general, but that ending really like it kicked it up another level for me.
1: I think. Yeah, I anyway. mean, I, I don't think this is like an all time classic, but it's a really awesome match that does what it set out to do, which is make Morshima look like an absolute killer. Um, you know, I would I would say like four stars probably four stars flat is what I would give this, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just a really interesting moment in history where Morshima kicks off what was supposed to be his setup up run to even greater Noah's success, but, like, as you mentioned, ends up being his entire run. And Homicide, I mean, this ended up being... The peak of Homicide in Ring of Honor ends up being him beating Danielson for the title. You know, Gabe clearly thought the the money was the chase for Homicide, and, you know, he didn't want to give him a long reign. He only held the title for two months, which you could debate if that was the right call or not. I, I kind of get where he's coming from because, at the same time, He's ring of honor champion he's like one half of a tag team on tna tv at this point and so i I think he was worried about like making his belt look you know lesser or whatever but like you know this was pretty much it for homicide i mean he he's here for like two more months and then he's gone at the end of april and you know he doesn't come back until like a a one-shot weekend in october 2008 so he's gone for you know a year and a half and even that's just a very short little one weekend thing where he comes back with Hernandez for the weekend and, and he's gone again and, and you know and that's it for him in the Gabe era he comes back I, I don't know how long his like post Gabe ROH uh, I did not watch a lot of Ring of Honor until the New Japan guy started showing up honestly so I don't really know like what his runs are like post Gabe my impression is they're not that big a deal and they're not that long either but I could be wrong I guess
0: yeah, know. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like he kind of just did off and on appearances from 2010 to 2013. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. One of his reasons he left the second time is because he had to sign an exclusive contract with the Urban Wrestling Federation. Oh. <laughs> c- covered on the Bad Wrestling Podcast, if I may allow myself to plug our show for a second. Uh, that's uh, a very good reason to leave R.Witch. Which, yes. I mean, that was like HDNR, or R.Witch. That's fine.
1: Yeah, fucking sucks. I mean, I don't. I, I it's one of those things where it's like I think there are people who like it, but I I don't know, like I don't really know why. It's not it's not very really good.
0: So that's some of the most boring wrestling you're ever gonna watch me.
1: So I, mean, like,
0: I, I can't get into that shit.
1: That I mean, time. I tried to watch it like on television. I don't know. I don't know if you did or not, but like I would still try to watch it. I'd just be like, this is so fucking boring. Like I don't really get the appeal at all. But anyway uh that was also like the the period where i was most down on wrestling in general so uh but yeah
0: that that like turn of the decade is uh it, that's uh going checking a lot of that stuff because again like wrestling at the time i feel like the turn of the decade like it, it feels like like a layer of mildew has grown over everything and like everybody needs to clean off and change so to speak like there it's like right at the spark of everything changing getting theirs it's real fucking tedious i'm not gonna lie yeah because i mean like Which to say i'm not a big davy fan i know some yeah,
1: yeah some people love Davey richards I know I some never, yeah i was never really into him either but, um but, yeah
0: I, I think if you love davy you probably look at this a lot more fondly
1: but, yeah i mean like you know ring like y- y- even like japanese wrestling at the time i mean noah was like on its way down after they dominated most of the decade and you know new japan really Mm -hmm. hadn't started turning things around yet i mean there's some new japan stuff i've gone back and watched from like 09 and 10 that's pretty decent but like i don't think i think most people would say the the peak started in 2012 and like you could sort of see it coming in 2011 and there's some really good stuff in 2011 but like 2012 is really where it starts so yeah, is that like
0: the weird like post Sinoki period where like th- the guys are all there but they haven't
1: really I don't
0: I, they haven't like figured I, out what they want to do
1: is the thing yeah you know? yeah but, like that's like it's a very weird period where like they're still like developing the style like Tanahashi is kind of taking it in that direction but at the same time you still have other guys that clearly still want to do like strong style traditional you know traditional strong style and it's like a very weird mm-hmm. mix and then, like, 2012 is where you really start to see it, like, shift, like, full into, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Like, what really, 2011 is where it really starts to shift like that. And then 2012 is the first year where it's, like, you know, just consistently really good. But, uh, you know, 2011... 2011 is a pretty damn good year, but, like, it has its ups and downs still. Whereas, like, 2012 on is where, you know, I think most people would call the... I mean, Bushiro buys it, and, you know, so it's the Bushiro era and like you know okada shows up so you could say it's the okada era so mm-hmm. it really like starts in 2012 but yeah um i don't but yeah I don't, we don't have to, we talked a lot of new japan last week We have to talk more new japan uh let's transition mm-hmm. into the opposite of new japan you could say which is jimmy jack cash versus hippie dicky moon from the swa on october 8th 2016 it won the fan poll uh, sixty-two point nine percent to thirty-seven point one percent. I put up uh JBL JBL versus The Undertaker in the last ride match from WWE in uh, October third, two thousand four, and that I put up what I think is one of the worst matches I've ever seen live. Uh, because that's a show I was at, and it was in the uh I guess the God the Continental Airlines Arena at the time is what it was called in in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey, and. Yeah, oh was... yeah, the the Meadowlands. Yeah, yeah, the Meadowlands. The, the WWE. I don't know why I blanked on Meadowlands, but yeah, WWE uh, No Mercy was the pay per view. One of the worst. Pay- one of the worst shows we've attended live. Maybe maybe the worst. It's it's really high up there. Because uh, I I figured you were gonna win. I figured there was no way you and uh, Chris rallying the voters for Jimmy Jack Cash wouldn't work. So I was like, why even put up a match that I will be sad when it loses? Why not just put up a fucking match that I know is gonna is a piece of shit that i don't won't regret not watching so that was my that was my mindset so
0: it's long too like i think it's i think it's 20 before entrances
1: yeah it's pretty yeah. Long.
0: <laughs> like um I, th- that is a brutal match i've <laughs> I, I don't know if i've seen that full show i feel like i probably would have because i was actively watching wwe in late 04 but i can't i'm looking at the card and
1: I don't remember almost any of this. Yeah, Lado 4 Smackdown is quite the wasteland. So, <laughs> Eddie Guerrero versus Luther Reigns? <laughs>
0: like,
1: what? <laughs> yeah. But, but let's talk about the match that won, which was, okay. I guess, explain this to me. I, I don't know anything that's going on here. So explain to me what the fuck this is, uh, what oh. the hell the SWA is, who these people are. Anyhow.
0: okay so i actually on our it's probably our most recently released episode of mad wrestling podcast we uh covered jimmy jack cash who is a northeast indie stalwart slash um maniac uh he is uh, he actually did a couple of early roh shots managed by prince nana uh gabe hasn't you know never brought
1: him back which you know shock wait and really uh, he was when the fuck was he in ring of honor i don't, I, I don't remember that at all
0: he was on one of the... It's during the Joe reign, so it's one of the 03 shows, and uh, him and Prince Nana team, and he's Prince Nana's newest client, too. I think they get squashed by uh Dun & Marcos, and he I, he does, like, one other match after that, and that's it for him.
1: Wow. I don't remember. I'm, I'm going to look this up because I'm really curious. Let's see. Yeah, okay, I see it's, it it's on, on Cage Match. Yeah, I see so. it there. Uh Oh, oh he was a do-or-die guy. That's interesting. I, so I never went to those two or two times. <laughs> That would explain a lot. Like, they would have these Ring of honor shows uh, in the afternoon, where it was, like, before the actual show. And, you know, they were basically put on, they were basically have, like, these, it was, like, a showcase for, uh, you know, random indie guys that I guess they were thinking of using. and. Yeah. You know, I never went to those. I was just like, you know, I'm good. I'm gonna go to the evening show. Uh, in the in the daytime, I have better things to do than go to a do. Or, I don't think I ever attended a single do or die. But yeah, so uh, and then he was on WrestleMania three, which is the one you were just talking about. So he was yeah, at, at the time he was just Jimmy Cash, not Jimmy Jack Cash, for the record. But uh, he beat someone called Lit. I think that's Special K. I assume. I don't even. I don't know even know who that is. I... I mean,
0: I think that's right but i'm not 100 percent sure on that
1: yeah uh so he beat someone named lit on the first do or die in may 2003 and then he was on this Russell rave show that i don't think i went to uh that like, Russell t- rave
0: show has like a pretty sick made event if i'm not mistaken i think it's like trent acid versus homicide
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah but yeah 2003 like i was not yet going to every show i I went to like a couple philly shows but for the most part i was only going like in new jersey i guess like the rex shows but yeah Yeah. um so that i didn't see that and then he had a dark match what the fuck was this this was that final battle yes dark oh no the conclusion in connecticut I definitely did not go to that either he lost to slick Wagner brown so
0: that's that would be his trainer so that might be oh really so
1: i i have seen a ton of slick Wagner brown because he was a he was a big star in Jersey All Pro Wrestling, so I wonder if did yep. Jimmy did Jimmy Cash work a lot Jersey All Pro? I couldn't find that. Yeah, so I, maybe he just never did it. That's really interesting. he's.
0: I think he's from Massachusetts.
1: Okay. So,
0: yeah. Um. He. Um. He's a Kowalski guy as well, and I'm here to say he's a better Kowalski guy than Triple H. Um, Feel free to challenge me on that, but uh,
1: he has done less damage to the wrestling business. He lost to a man named Tony Bolt for the Inoki Dojo in 2007. What? Okay, I didn't even fucking know about this. (laughs) Tony Bolt defeats Jimmy Cash May 13th, 2007, Inoki Dojo USA in los angeles so because i saw the new japan logo appear on the thing i was like what but yes he that was a Anoki dojo he that that's... was also the same year he got a wwe dark match and uh he lost to jim oh not even a dark match he lost to jim duggan episode of sunday night heat in august
0: yes uh, uh an episode that's like impossible to find because their network doesn't have it and all of like the torrent packs of heat are missing oh seven <laughs> like it's like this is the match that does not want to be seen i've like i've looked all over for it and i can't find it anywhere so uh anybody if you have the uh let me look that date up uh, open request to listeners if you can find the august 27th seven episode of sunday night heat please send it to me or kevin we've been looking all over for this fucking jimmy jack cash for such <laughs> a <fucking bitch>.
1: like, <laughs> it's like the, the your it's like your fucking whale that you're trying to... <laughs> it's, This
0: is my last battle of Atlanta. Like where it'll be found randomly, like in a warehouse somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, he's um, he's this bizarre grifter who um, he posts a lot of Christian rap videos. He uh, he talks about how he beat John Cena once and posts it like in replies to everybody's like all the promotions, Twitters. He'll like reply to MLW, and be like, "Hey, you're gonna book the best promo guy in the biz. I beat John Cena. Here are my best moves." and like uh, also like he's um, he like wanted to start a career as a right-wing pundit with a show called the jack perspective that never really popped off as you might be shocked to know uh he's just this he has a lot of gym grifts that keep falling through like there's a giant thread on the reddit page for schenectady accusing him of building of buying and neglecting an office building like he's just he's a bizarre carney. and also um he he has a guido gimmick like he claims to be a mobster, so that's Jimmy Jack Cash, and uh, his opponent is a hippie. <laughs> I,
1: I would, I, will be honest. Like before, I, I just looked at this cage match and listened to you talk. I would have assumed he was a recent guy. I had no idea he's been around since fucking two thousand one. That's so yes, crazy.
0: he is a like a twenty year vet, and uh, like Kevin has asked people about him. Like Kevin DM'd Gabe about him and got an answer, just saying like, oh yeah, I remember him. No. Nope no clarification bill carr from the team tremendous has talked about him kevin asked about that he's like yeah i just i think the rap videos are funny i've never seen him in my life like no one has any recollection of this guy but he's worked a bunch of places and he's worked a bunch of name people too like he's worked all the ecw vets most of the ones who are still around too like Sam Man and shit but he's so he's so bad
1: He's a really, really terrible professional wrestler, judging by this match. I mean... Like, yes. Like, really awful. Like, he's one of these guys that's been a... Like, I would have guessed, if you told me, John, guess how long this guy's been wrestling based on this match, I would have said he's been doing this for six months. Like, he is really... The fact that he was doing this for 15 fucking years <laughs> at this point... Is, like, he's like... Uh, what's, the, what's the name of the fucking Ring of Honor chick? That was Ring of Honor World Champion. I can't. I can't remember her fucking name.
0: Kelly Klein.
1: Kelly Klein. I. I. My head was Kelly Kelly, which I'm like. I know it's not Kelly Kelly. But she yeah. might actually be better than Kelly. Klein. Well, first, first of all, Kelly Klein is significantly better than him. But when I watch Kelly Klein, you know, I think, ah, oh, this is. She looks kind of rough. She's been doing this probably for a year, and then someone's like, John, she's been wrestling for like eight years. When like, I found that out, I was shocked. Yeah. I thought she was a trainee. Like yeah. that's the same thing. But, uh, but yeah, Jimmy Cash is like the she, he's Kelly Klein, except he's a guy, obviously. He's been doing it twice as long, and he's significantly worse. So,
0: he's he's also again like, um, he works a mob stereotype, but also he really hates the soprano. <laughs> what so that's a thing because they that doesn't rep his life, so he's like a very old school mobster, and um. Uh, this this match is just like it's unbelievable this is a terrible match don't get me wrong but it's like i I, i've talked to kevin a lot about this and it's like i love when wrestlers big time other wrestlers just like just make them look like total shit for no reason And usually legends do this like you know they'll come into you know al snow will come on a local indie and make some random trainee look like absolute ass but then let him get the pin Jimmy Jack Cash also has done this, but he's not accomplished anything, so it's like doubly fascinating that he's doing this kind of match. He comes in, he has a stable called the Men of Business who are, they're supposed to be mobsters, but in this case it's a guy named Dennis John with glasses and a ponytail who looks like somebody's accountant.
1: I was going to say, Dennis John was one of the big questions watching this because he looks like a random old man. From the fucking crowd I mean there is no You have never There's never been anyone in wrestling Who has looked As Unassuming as this man He looks like A man You would walk down the street And see across the street And be like Hey it's the old guy From the from the block Like he looks So incredibly normal I'm like what is his gimmick Supposed to be Is he just supposed to be A, a random person Like I don't I don't understand Like what Like he's wearing a fucking vest He's got the fucking ponytail. He looks as non-threatening as any human being could look. Non-threatening, non-conspicuous. Uh, he looks like a, a person, just a fucking person. It's,
0: it's so good, too, because, like, you know, the the Jimmy Jack Cash theme, which is Hate Me Now by Nas, starts playing, and you're like, uh-oh, Like this is ominous. Like Someone tough's going to come out, and then this guy comes out and looks like he runs a fucking print shop, and you're like, what the fuck?
1: It's so bizarre. <laughs> By the way, what is the SW? It's like the Suffolk Wrestling Alliance or something. Suffolk I Wrestling
0: Alliance. It's yeah, just some yeah. random
1: Indian, like, what, like new, upstate New York? Yeah, yeah. I think
0: they, I want to say they run in, like,
1: I looked up, I looked
0: it up earlier. I think it's at Deer Park is where they're based. Oh, yeah.
1: it's like, okay, okay, I get it. So it's like Nassau County, like, or close to Nassau County. Suffolk, Suffolk County. County, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Long yeah. Island. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
0: So um, <laughs> Jimmy Cash comes out. He is the most from coast to coast. And, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but when he comes <laughs> out after he comes out we get a very long shot of the ECW ripoff entrance there with nothing happening and I was it's thinking, so you, weird <laughs> and then it like cuts back to the I mean and by the way this this looks exactly like that mm. ECW entrance because they had the bricks the bricks and everything you know like the the tear through brick wall part it's very very obvious with the ripping off but yeah so like nothing <laughs> happens there's no music we just scare at these brick entranceway for feels like forever. And then finally come back to the ring where Jimmy Jack Cash appears to be not letting the referee check him. Like he's arguing with the ref, and it's like not in like a I, I don't know how to describe this. It, it's not it does not look like he's doing it in a kayfabe way. Like it looks no, like he's doing it in a I don't want you to touch me way. It's very bizarre.
0: He seems legitimately annoyed that the referee is trying to touch him as part of the show. <laughs> and it's like the match hasn't started yet and the shit's already going off the rails. And then Hippy Dicky Moon comes so out. So some
1: random music hits. I'm like, why is Hippy Dickey Moon, who's from Woodstock, by the way, why is he not coming out to like some fucking Beatles song? Like why is he coming out to a random modern rock song? It's yeah, funny. it sounds
0: like he's coming out to like pop punk, but yeah. yeah, he's supposed to like look like a guy who you know, like he listens to like the Grateful Dead. Yeah. It's so bizarre. And he's wearing the vest and he's from Woodstock and he does the, the Spike Dudley Acid drop, but other than that there's nothing hippie-ish about him. Yeah. Like he, he skanks at one point, which is uh, not a hippie move in any way.
1: It's it's a confused gimmick for a confused match. I think you'd probably say. Of... So the bell rings and Hippie Dicky Moon stumbles around the ring like he's intoxicated. Uh, I guess that is kind of hippie gimmick fitting. I
0: get yeah, he is working the gimmick.
1: Okay, uh, and then he does like a little roll and celebrates. Like he's basically he's doing like a Nitro opening where he's like refusing to even lock up with this man <laughs> and he's continually avoiding him. Uh, and Jimmy Jack Cash. He points at his non existent watch and tells us he has, quote, no time for this right now. Jimmy Jack Cash has places to be, okay? He's not happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: He has but, an office building to not maintain.
1: But Hippie, he continues to ape Naito's avoidance method, but then he finally starts throwing some vicious drop toe holds and then a drop kick on a schoolboy. Uh, and then, <laughs> so Jimmy takes over and starts with probably the worst, like, dominant heel, like, wrestling. You'll ever see. Like, it just looks really, really bad. And earlier... Now, here's where his character seems confused. Because earlier, remember, he told us he has no time for this right now. But then, he just tosses Hippie Dickie Moon down with... I don't even know what it's supposed to be, honestly. A something. And... Sorry, go ahead.
0: It's like he's doing an airplane spin, but then he just kind of throws him awkwardly. It's a very, very strange opening maneuver.
1: But then he pulls him up after two and yells it ain't time yet. And it's like, sir, I thought you just told us uh, <laughs> you have no time right now. But now all of a sudden it ain't time yet. It, That's what? why he's the heel, John. I guess He, so. he lies. Uh, he then... Okay, he then does another move that, again, I don't really know how to describe. I, I thought it was supposed... I, I thought Mr. Moon was countering him. Like, I thought he basically turned whatever is supposed to be into like a face buster or something because he lands like on top of, uh-huh. of uh, Jimmy Jack cash with like his arm around his neck. It looks like he counted into a fucking face buster, but then he's the one selling and Jimmy, and Jimmy Jack cash gets up totally fine. I'm like, what was that even supposed to be? I, I don't, I legitimately <laughs> do not know. It looks like he counted him, but then he sells it.
0: It's I mean, a very confusing maneuver, and then he also gets up. I think this is the moment where Jimmy Jack Cash also gets up and yells to the crowd. I make Suplex City look like a small town in South in South Dakota. Yes, I
1: took that note, and it's you. You delivered it much better than he did. Here's what he says: I make Suplex City look like a small town. Dot 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 dot. While the crowd sits there not reacting, in South Dakota, and it's like, did he think he had to add that part? To, <laughs> to make it funny because the crowd does not laugh the crowd does not react it's just a very awkward statement and he's not doing suplexes by the way <laughs> that's the thing I don't think there's
0: a suplex in this match <laughs> this uh also the crowd for this it's I, I know I was just talking earlier about how empty arena wrestling has really like, accepted the thing. this feels like an empty arena match there's one moment where the crowd chants for uh hippy dicky moon but they're very very quiet for most of this thing
1: I will say after this, I, I think after the, the suplex thing, he does throw a suplex and it's awful.
0: That's right. Wait, no, no, no. You are right.
1: Yes. <laughs> so he throws one of the most awful suplexes I've ever seen in my entire life after the suplex city thing. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe what, what he's doing here or what he thinks he's doing. Up because... Sorry? I was.
0: I was mixing up because I was like is that before or after he does the long backbreaker into a tell him spot but that's after
1: (laughs) Uh, so here's where I briefly see Dennis John walking on the outside looking like a completely normal old man doing absolutely nothing and once again I'm like because I forgot about him for a long time and I'm like what is is the point of this Dennis John I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life because it's like what the fuck it's
0: one of the weirdest managers I've
1: ever seen. Like, is it's like he like his dealer or something? Like, I don't he understand. He looks like he should be behind the fucking snack bar. I mean, that's what he. It looks like the snack bar manager got lost and ended up around the ring. Like, but yeah, it's really bizarre. Uh, so, meanwhile, Jimmy Jack Cash, he gets the crowd to clap. Okay, the, the backbreaker. He hits his backbreaker and he has Dicky over his knee and he starts slapping Dickie. But not in a way that looks painful. He slaps him like in time with the crowd to get them to clap. And it's like, sir, why are you encouraging the crowd to clap for your opponent? He's not doing it in a sarcastic way, the way heels will sometimes do it. He's just openly trying to get the crowd to clap. It is one yeah, of the I- most bizarre things I've ever seen in a wrestling match.
0: It's so weird because like he's the heel, but he even sets it up by
1: saying, he's going to need your help, you guys. You ready? <laughs> like, he wants... Like, that's... Not, it's just... And, and it, I can't... It goes against... I can't... I can't, like... Yeah, yeah. I can't stress this enough. There is a way where that... Like, he's going to need your help, you guys. You ready? Could be sarcastic. But he sounds 100% sincere. He sounds like he is concerned <laughs> for Mr. Dickie Moon... And he is trying to get the crowd to cheer for him. He is basically playing the role of Hippie dicky Moon's manager while he has him in this backbreaker. It is really, really, really bizarre. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I don't, It's an exceedingly strange spot. <laughs> like yeah. And, and it goes on from... It's probably the most sustained spot of the entire match. Like, there's a chunk of the match devoted to this. And no one... Again, there's a tiny little hippie chant and, like, uh, his manager tries to counter it with Jimmy, but that's it. That's <laughs> the only reaction you get.
1: <laughs> I don't know why it's me laugh so hard, but just this old fucking man just going, Jimmy, <laughs> he's not even uh... like invested
0: in it. He's just kind of pointing out. There's a guy in the ring named Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy.
1: Uh, but yeah, so this hit, so, uh, you know, Jim, Mr. Cash firing the crowd up does backfire on him because Dickie throws some knees and then it's like this kind of swinging DDT thing, which is probably the best spot of match. I mean, it's not a good DDT, but it's probably the, the best spot. Uh, <laughs> it's a DDT, it's enough. Right before that, Mr. C- Mr. Cash threw a back elbow that like maybe missed by more than any other back elbow. And he was, again, uh, Hippie Dickie Moon was right Next to him at that point. He was on his knee. Like, how he missed his elbow by such a wide margin while holding this man on his knee is one of the weirdest things of the entire match. It's like, you couldn't get a little closer to his face when he is, like, you're holding him. Like, what the fuck? You should know exactly where he is in relation to your elbow. Like, sometimes wrestlers miss these fucking moves they're trying to pull up when, like, you know, the guy's really far away from them, and it's understandable. You're holding him in your arm sir like it should be very obvious where you should stop your elbow it's very very weird it's, look and
0: to be, Mickey moon had only been wrestling i think three years at this point like he's gonna fuck some stuff up but he is wrestling i a 15 year veteran here we should probably you know be looking out for this guy a little bit yeah. he's you know make this make him not look like little shit but jimmy jack cash does not care about such things he only cares about himself
1: yeah uh, so Hippie Dickie Man... But he can't even make himself look good. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> He's this weird But uh,
1: Hippie Dickie Moon... Hit... Sorry, you're like cut out. That's why I thought I should start talking. That's uh, what so... I thought, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hippie Dickie Moon starts hitting the acid drop, which, uh, which that makes sense, I guess. Uh, and then... That, and that too... That actually actually is the best spot of the match, probably, the acid drop. But then uh, Jimmy Jackass says, forget about it! <laughs> like, at least... Probably for the sixth time in this match. And then finally, he hits this one-arm powerbomb for the pin. Uh, Yeah, this was was bad. I don't know what else to say. It was really, really bad. It makes the uh, ambulance match from earlier look like a good scientific classic. I mean, I don't don't know what there is to say about this, except it was uh, awful. (laughs) So the old man comes back in the ring to say... uh, This is literally what he says. This guy... And then he says, Jimmy Jack Cash. And then at first when he wants to raise his arm, Jimmy Jack Cash doesn't want to let him because he's doing like a double bicep pose. And then he finally lets him raise his arm. Uh, yeah. I, awful. Really bad. It's, it, it's an
0: incredibly strange match because I have seen Jimmy Jack Cash be on the receiving end of this kind of big timing before. I've seen him wrestle a uh, uh, DJ Hyde who treated him like that. <laughs> which in itself is its own uh that's <laughs> its own can of worms but uh jimmy jack cash becoming like the the conquering veteran beating down this hippie guy um it's clear like he can't do that him working on top is a very difficult effort for him but also it's just everything about this it's one of it's a fucking train wreck <laughs> And it's like only like it's a very short match without the entrances. It's maybe like eight minutes long, it's not that long, but everything that goes wrong can like this feels like a training match. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, have you ever seen Holocausto versus Shalom from IWRG?
1: Uh, no, (laughs) I know, I think. I'm trying to think if I ever I don't think I ever actually watched it. I know I've heard I've <laughs> I know heard, that
0: it, it kind of had a reputation based on the name.
1: Yeah, I, I remember what's his uh yeah, I think I I definitely heard about it and Kevin voted for it in the Omakase Awards his worst match. But yeah, I don't think I ever watched it.
0: Here's the thing. That match is two like teenage trainees fucking everything up. This Jimmy Jack Cash match has basically the same rate of success as Holocaust versus Shalom, except Jimmy Jack Cash has been doing this longer than like some of the most storied guys working right now, and he's working like a teenage trainee, and that's like unbelievable. Like he's just I, th- I don't know how he exists, and he's still going. He just started wrestling again. He had a tag last year, and I, he would have kept going if not for the COVID thing. So, uh, you know, and I know he refuses to work GCW because they're afraid of him, but like they need to, according to him, but they need to get him on some U.S. Indie. This guy, somebody needs to see Jimmy Jack Cash. Get him into a... uh <laughs> New Japan U.S. needs some guys, right? Let's bring him back. He he worked at in Oki Dojo. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> I don't know. It's something. But uh, (laughs) it's something. Uh, Anyway. Anything else you want to say about Mr. Jack Cash? I will say we have the same initials, which is very, very weird. Like, my my Uh, real life initials are JJC. So,
0: that's destiny. Yeah, there you
1: go. (laughs) All right, Chris. uh, Before I get into my plugs, go ahead and give me some plugs here
0: okay um yeah i'm chris uh i'm on twitter uh i'm at funky sdg i've been there for a while and uh i co-host the bad wrestling podcast we are at bad rest podcast we've been doing it for like huh, a little over a year at this point it, the name a bit that's of that's all home. it's
1: been really it feels like you guys have been around a million years by now
0: maybe like a year and a half it's we we started november of 18 so yeah like a year and a half okay and, uh, you know, we cover bad wrestling. I mean, we at this point, I think we've, like, expanded the purview a little bit to, like, we cover bad wrestling. We cover weird characters, all that kind of stuff. Because at a certain point, you run out of bad wrestling shows. But, uh, you know, we're doing it. We're having fun. Come join us. You might like it. You might not. I don't know. But it's it's worth a shot.
1: And uh, of course, thanks for having me on, John. Yes, and I should... We, we never even mention it. I, I always mention on Kevin's on. If it wasn't for me refusing to cover... CCW New Heights or whatever the fuck it was on the show, they might have they might not be a bad wrestling podcast because that's that we, true. Yeah, <laughs> started because he kept asking me to do an episode with him on it, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, man. <laughs> and then he just started his own. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> you, or or I'm sorry, I don't I don't know how to what to say. We 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 brought it into the world here. We helped bring it into the world. Uh, but yeah, I I enjoy the bad wrestling podcast at all. And if we're we're gonna shoot here, I. Listen, I don't listen to every episode. It depends on the topic. There's sometimes where I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to hear this on a podcast. But the ones that where you guys hit are always really, really funny. So, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it, folks. So again, I'm I'm not going to give the whole pitch again because I gave the very long pitch. But the vo- the uh, Wrestling Omakase Patreon, Patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. It's launching on Monday, June 1st. Depending on when you're listening to this and when it goes up, it'll either be launching eminently or it will have already launched. Um, you know, it'll be the only place to get the two two exclusive five matches episodes uh, during the month of June with Alan Farrell from PW Torch and with Rich Crage from the Voice Wrestling Flagship. Uh, we'll also have a ton of other content. Anime Omakase, uh, one match with the Okada Tanahashi series, you know, each match being its own little mini podcast. You know, the first of the both of those will be up the moment you sign up on Monday. Uh, it'll be the only place to vote on the vote for the fifth match for those two episodes I mentioned, Alan and Rich. And on top of all of that, we're going to do daily tournament coverage when there's tournaments to talk about. So, Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Please sign up. Five dollars a month gets you all that content. We're going to have a great time. Patreon.com/slash Wrestling uh, In the meantime, as always, you can follow us on Twitter it's at wrestling omakase wrestling Women fit next week it's going to be me and brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics on the free uh wrestling omakase feed here uh, i just you know we're, we're doing that tour of the voice of wrestling podcast network and i just thought it was a kind of cool idea to have on brandon who like you know never gets to talk about like matches he likes and stuff he's always just like you know the numbers guy basically so (laughs) i thought it'd be cool to have him in a totally different environment where he's just going to talk about you know some wrestling matches he liked and you know we got some uh it's a lot of old school puro next week that's that's what we got on the on tap so you'll you'll see what i mean it's like one one sort of modern new japan match that's early on er, or very early in the modern era and then like a bunch of other like uh late 90s early 2000s uh japanese wrestling so that'll be what we'll be covering next week uh You know, look out for the fan poll so you can vote on the fifth match. And as always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.